is the Kings of the Rings podcast Diamonds of the Decades Award nomination show where this show, our final show of 2019 and our final show of the decade, we're going to go look back um, the past 10 years of wrestling and talk about the best there is, the best there was, and the best that there ever will be in the year, in this decade from 2010 uh, to 2019. Of course, I am your host of the decade, King Ricky Rose. You can find me at Ambassador Biggs on all social media outlets, on uh, Facebook, at Instagram, at Twitter, at Snapchat. If you're feeling froggy, maybe not bumble for too much longer because I'm calling it quits. Uh, <laughs> Kings of the Rings. <laughs> just, just, it's just bad. If I'm, if I'm not in, if I'm not in New York State, on fire. When I am in New York State, which I am most of the time, uh, just not the best at all. Anywho, uh, find Kings of the Rings podcast. Uh, throughout each and every decade um, by uh, by following us at KOTR underscore podcast on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Subscribe and listen to Kings of Rings podcast by subscribing to Wrestle Addict Radio uh, wherever you get your podcast from that Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, just to name a few. Follow Wrestle Addict Radio at Addict underscore Wrestle on Twitter and Wrestle Addict Radio on um, Instagram and Facebook. Where would I be this decade without the original host to, be, to begin the decade of Kings of Rings podcast, uh, the flawless diamond himself, Mr. Will Tarashaw? I made it half a decade. Um, I started this son bitch in 2015. Uh, but of course, I am so excited to argue with both of you, mainly Ricky, because Kay is too passive to argue with me and she loves me too much. But it's going to be a grand old time with this diamond of the decade award. It's going to be a grand old time. If you're going to want to disagree with all of my predictions and all my choices, that my, my door is a little ajar. Uh, T's and Thomas, A-R-A-S-H-U-K, across all the internet. Guys, I don't know about you guys, but my Spotify top 100 of 2019 has been popping. If you want to follow that, too, go to Spotify. No one cares about your Spotify playlist. Go to Spotify. Type in Will Tarashuk, and you'll find all my great playlists. Share my... I want people to listen to my music and judge them for yourselves. You can say it What's sucks. What's your Spotify name? I'm going to follow you right now. Just at Will Tarashuk. Smiles made here, baby. That's my profile picture. It's going to be grand old time. Number one <laughs> artist of 2019 for me well, actually was um, Bowling for Soup, which was a little upsetting. My number one song with That's my scarf very face. sad. <laughs> yeah, Bowling for Soup, bro. Bowl form. But where would I be? That's the love of my life. This decade and every decade to come. Kate Murphy. How you Goodness. doing? Did you guys see that Enzo Amore has a baby Yoda t-shirt? We really got to get you off of this Enzo Amore um, thing that you have going on because it's just it's the reason why you can't have nice things. What is dead may never die. <laughs> but okay. it is me, the queen bee, for the last time this decade. You can find me on Instagram at the Kate Murphy and on Twitter at underscore the Kate Murphy. I have been watching Star Wars for 10 hours straight today. 
I'm already very high, y'all. <laughs> Would you say the blunt is strong with you tonight? I am one with boo, the blunt, and the blunt is with me. Boo. Boo. Oh, whatever. Boo. Whatever recovering pothead will. Smoking those trees of Endor, bitch. <laughs> nice. If we didn't have a show title already, I would say the trees of Endor would be the show title. I'm not a recovering pothead. I'm taking a permanent break. <laughs> Boo, Which you are. I like being in recovery. I'm all, I'm all about that CBD now, that CBD flower. It's amazing. CBD is, oh, you mean, CBD is fantastic. And CBD that stuff is, like scientifically is not proven yet? That's debatable. Will, your That's number one song of the year is by someone named Scarface. I'm aware. You know, it was a dark summer. By Kate, someone named Scarface? Kate, There's a rapper named Scarface. Kate, if you I'm listen going to, through Will's top songs of 2019. <laughs> Kate, if you, listen, if you listen to that song, you will understand. It's called All Bad for a Reason. Country <laughs> Roads is on here. It was a dark summer. Oh. Yes. <laughs> it was a dark summer. Are you talking summer. about Scarface the rapper or another Scarface? The rapper. Okay. looks like There's only one Scarface. You also have one of my favorite My Chemical Romance songs in here, and that makes me very happy. Oh, the kids from yesterday. That's like one of my top five favorite songs by them. It's an amazing song. It's incredible. Live, I cried a lot when I saw them play live. One day, I feel like you cry a lot. A lot of things. Shh. <laughs> Kate's like the sun's out. I'm crying. <laughs> oh my god, is it raining? <laughs> Yo, wait, do y'all talk to me after Friday night. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> I know I know I won't I'll talk to you like the next day I don't think anyone's gonna want to talk to me after Rise of Skywalker comes out well, well we'll find out we'll see what happens but before Rise of Skywalker pretty much ends the decade on a high note let's go way way back in time to the beginning of the decade and I'll start it off the year was 2010 and believe it or not I was still in college um I was still in college. I was the I was the I was the president of my fraternity, the first president of the fraternity on the Nerd. campus. If I, if I wanted to, shut up, Will. <laughs> uh, Two-time president right here. At least my fraternity is nationally relevant. Anywho, um, that's, that's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> we were until our president decided to shut down a bunch of French chapters across the country because he was corrupt. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, um, I was present my fraternity. I was in college. I was having a ball. Um, I was going out all the time. I was I was one of like the Burger Kings of the campus, which is pretty hard to do. What on, does like, that the second, mean? Meaning, I was like I was very well known, um, which is very hard to do on a campus of twenty thousand undergraduates. Uh, um, so it's a pretty cool accomplishment. I was an RA. I was living life. I had my own apartment, and that was free because I was an RA. Uh, and a lot of things in life revolved not around wrestling at all. I was not following wrestling. I had not been following wrestling uh, for a long time. Uh, fraternity life, college life ended. I, I went back home. Ended up getting going to another school called Hofstra University. Um, hey, hey, where, hey. Yeah, fuck. That was just a means to an end. I hate that school with a burning passion. Um, so I love your bars, though. McKeebs, oh, rest <laughs> in peace, baby. <laughs> You're welcome, I guess. Rest, <laughs> rest in peace, because without McKeebs, King Ricky Rose is never born. That's fair. Um, in and of itself. Uh, so I, I reinvent myself in the bar life. I become King Ricky Rose. Um, again, nothing to do with wrestling whatsoever. Uh, 
I'm I'm halfway through grad school. I remember it's kind of like it was yesterday. I was um I was at a rinky dink auto shop getting my car worked on. You know, my my pride and joy at the time ten years ago when it was a new car. <laughs> and I remember being I remember being around January. Um and I was like, oh, the Royal Rumble's coming up. And I remember having my tablet, um, because I was waiting on my car to get fixed, um, and going on YouTube and just binge watching Royal Rumble uh um uh, matches. Cause they were hour long, so I had time to kill. And I remember just watching it and slowly but surely I kept on watching Royal Rumbles. I caught up on Roxena. Um, and I slowly started to get the bug again, where then I started watching Raw and SmackDown on Hulu because it would it better fit my schedule. Um and hey, to next hey, thing I know. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> still doing that, still doing that. Hulu <laughs> And then the next thing I know, I'm going to my first live event. I'm then with uh, Vaughn brings me to my first live event um, in like almost ten years. By the end of that live event, we're buying tickets to SummerSlam, the first SummerSlam in Brooklyn. Um, next thing I know, I'm at Takeover Brooklyn one, and the bug has hit me again. You know, I'm I'm watching wrestling on a consistent basis. I start watching wrestling and chatting online with a guy named Dave Malkovich. Oh. Okay. We <laughs> love we, you, Dave. We, <laughs> we started talking. I ended up going to my first WrestleMania almost after almost having a near death experience. Um, believe it or not, uh, where I was months before my first ever WrestleMania, I was hospitalized for three to four days, and then I had two 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 surgical procedures um, that were electrifying to say the least. I make my way to WrestleMania for the first time ever, and now I'm completely hooked. Sometime after I get home from WrestleMania in Dallas, the first one ever, the 100,000 people in attendance won. Sometime around that summer, I believe, uh, I'm with Dave, we're watching a pay-per-view, and then, like, the next pay-per-view was Money in the Bank. Um, Because it was after Dave and I had gone to Extreme Rules, we saw Seth Rollins return, um, as I'm going through a decade here, and... Then I had a surgery, and then once I got out of the surgery, Dave was like, oh, hey, want to watch Money in the Bank at, uh, over at this guy Will Tarashock's house? He has his own podcast, and maybe maybe he'll have you on the show when we're done watching the event. Money in the Bank happens. Dean Ambrose cashes in. We lose our cookies collectively, and we do our first show, and that's episode 33, I believe. It is. Money, money for the marks, and Kings of the Rings podcast as a three man show was bored, and then we had all, all these random iterations uh, with the demolish of Slack, the creation of Mister Fretz, um, super Canadian fan, the science teacher, Mister Fretz, the, the, the science teacher, <laughs> the science teacher, uh, the formation of the Valkyrie, um, the D formation of the Valkyrie, the D well. <laughs> No, I mean, we had the work <laughs> that, that we thought went over well, but didn't really go over well. No, fuck that. That went over fucking perfectly. All right? That went over exactly I, as planned. I enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, we, I will Rhett never went, forget where I was when I was listening to the work. I was on the what? train on my way home coming back from Chicago. Uh-huh. Oh, classic. And just dying the whole time. The work, like when we revealed it was a work, or when the we fight. were still doing it. 
So the actual fight. The actual fight. I was on the train. The real fight. It was the day. The I, I was the, the day I flew fight. home from Chicago. I was on the train back home, <clears throat> and I listened to the fight on the train because I remember I was trying to rush home for Game of Thrones that night too. Ah, remember when that was cool? <sighs> hey, the witch is gonna take it much better. All right, and I guess the rest, as I say, Ricky, is history. Yeah, you know, and here we are uh, with WrestleMania Radio after a stint with Ram with Dan, and we're we're going on into a new year with uh, hopefully some new faces joining the team, um, and a lot more creativity, and a lot more things for us to do in the new year. So that that's kind of my recap with wrestling, where I got into wrestling kind of midway, and then it just has exploded into this grand thing of mine, but I do on a weekly basis that everybody understands when I do wrestling, like you can't, no one can really bother me. So, Will, we're, we'll take us through your decade, Will. God. You were probably in high school when we started. <clears throat> I, right? was, I was. I was a sophomore in high school. Uh, Damn. My freshman year. I was oh my junior in college. My I freshman was a, I was freshman in college. My freshman year of high school was incredibly rough for me, and my sophomore year was actually quite enjoyable. It was like that buffer year before the calm before the storm, and junior year is where it just went all to shit. That's a story for another day. Um, this was before... Damn, 2010, I was fifth I was 14 at the turn of the decade. I turned 15 that February. So I haven't I hadn't discovered podcasts. I didn't know, I had no idea what I was doing in life. Like I knew I wanted to do journalism um, or some kind of communications for a career. Um, but podcasting had no idea what it was. Uh, and I still I was watching wrestling in 2010. I started watching wrestling around the end of 2007. Ish. I can't remember exactly when I started watching, but um, whenever Chuck Palumbo was feuding with Jamie Noble, all right, that's when I first started watching wrestling. That's like my benchmark <laughs> for remembering. Um, you picked a bad time. I know. It was rough. The, the Deuce and Domino were things. I only watched SmackDown, uh, but that's the previous decade. So 2010 rolls around. I'm watching definitely mostly raw. I'm recording everything. I'm loving TNA. I am fucking adoring TNA. I told you, I told a story on the podcast before, I had to choose between 24 recording uh, Raw and watching TNA, or like a combination of those three. Motherfucker, I watched TNA and recorded the other two, all right? <laughs> That's what I chose. I chose TNA over everything. I love TNA. Yeah, I can't, can't say I love that anymore. Um, and then as uh, my junior year, so probably... 20, uh, no, see, 2010, 2010, I might have been a freshman, 2011, 2012, 20, because I graduated in 2013, so 2010, I was a freshman in high school, shit, I was a freshman in high school in 2010, God, I'm old, so, oh my God, so the turn of the century, that's the turn of the decade, I had a really rough second half of freshman year of high school. That is when everything just went to shit real quick. Uh, long story short, I lost all my friends from elementary school. They just, just kind of just dropped dropped anchor and kicked me off the boat. Uh, the built boat I built, by the way. Um, so that happens. Um, and then wrestling was always there. I found podcasting in my junior year, so 2012. Um I, it was kind of then I decided I want a podcast, um, but I never knew what about. And then senior year, no, freshman, 
sophomore year of college, fast forward to 2015, um, mm. I'm at my buddy Phil's house and Christian, uh, my soon-to-be <laughs> co-host for eight episodes. Um, the lost host. Christian with the lost host, Christian McLaughlin, was just like, we were talking about wrestling because me and him always talked about wrestling. None of my friends liked wrestling, so I never went to live events. I never... Um, like went to WrestleMania, I would order pay-per-views here and there on pay-per-view and I just watch them by myself because none of my family really liked wrestling. My dad would poke his head in every now and then because uh, he used to watch it in college a little bit. But none of my friends are wrestling fans except for Christian. Um, and Christian was tr- at that time was training to be a wrestler. He was training with Biff Busick um, at not, maybe it was Beyond or... XWA wrestling, which is like a Boston local territory. Um, so he would bring me to shows every now and then, but this was post podcast even started. So we started the podcast, like, let's do a wrestling podcast. I was like, you in? You stead ass serious to a wrestling podcast? And that night on the night, I was like, what are we going to call it? And I don't remember the other names, but for some reason, King, like Kings of the Ring came up. And I said, no, make it plural, Kings of the Rings. So literally that night in Phil Gilbride's basement, the podcast, the dream started. Um, and then I got all the equipment. Um, and we fast forward to February. It was like the weekend after my 20th birthday was when we started. And that first episode was just an absolute train wreck. <laughs> like production wise, the conversation itself was also a train wreck because <laughs> Christian was not the best host, but like production wise, it was just a mess. The audio was all jumpy. Like it was like, it was just a nightmare um, because you know, how easy is it? How easy is it to start a podcast? Now you literally create an anchor account and that's it. I had to create an RSS feed from scratch and it took like two and a half hours of Googling <laughs> and I still don't know how I did it. <laughs> I managed to, I managed to link it into a WordPress account, wordpress.org. Um, and the podcast was born. Christian left. Um, cause he has lost interest. I did a few solo shows and then that March around WrestleMania when Seth cashed in, um, Dave joined the podcast uh, Dave was just like, Dave, I was like, Dave, do you want to be a guest? <laughs> I need someone to talk wrestling to. And Dave was the only other person who knew wrestling or watched <laughs> wrestling. Um, so Dave was, I don't want to say Dave was a last resort, but Dave was my last hope to keep this podcast afloat because I was ready to quit. Would you, would you say Dave was a new hope? Dave was uh-huh. a new hope. Dave was the only hope. Dave was hope. In, <laughs> Dave was the hope incarnate. All right, <laughs> and Dave is forever and ever the savior uh, and the foundation and the pillar of this podcast. No matter damn near, damn near the architect. Yeah, he honestly is damn near the architect, um, the real MVP. And then from there, you know, the podcast survived. Um, I I just fell in love with the idea of audio and editing and the love of wrestling was still there throughout the big moments, which we'll talk about later on. Um, and then there was a point in the decade, I remember the exact point in the decade, I'm going to save it for when we actually talk about moment of the decade, where my wrestling fandom absolutely transcended and I think was just the, the pivotal moment in my wrestling fandom is two moments. 
but one is huh. bigger than the other. Um, that really just took my wrestling love for wrestling to the next level. Um, then from there, you know, I went to my first takeover, my first SummerSlam, my first Mania, and just thank God I have friends I can go to wrestling shows with because they're fucking amazing. Your first amazing. Rumble, your first Survivor yeah. Series, all in the same decade. Like I get to, I get to travel for wrestling. Um, this podcast, it's just fun. It's just, it's just the greatest hobby I could have, and you know. It's kind of weird to think like that. I was actually just thinking all this while Ricky, while you were talking, like this is this decade from 2010 to 2020, I think is the most growth I will ever have as a person. Not only because like you go through puberty and like you go through college and all of that. It's just your balls did drop. They did drop. Rootin' tootin'. Uh, it's just like it's just such a different person in that in those 10 yeah. years that I'm never going to experience again. And wrestling was kind of at the cornerstone of that, which is a very weird thing to say because it kind of helped me kind of figure out what I want to do as a career, which is just podcast. I want to sit in front of this microphone and talk forever. So as I stop talking, Kate Murphy, I love you. Love you so much. So I had a very strange relationship with wrestling this decade. So 2010, I was 19. I had, I had dropped out of college. I was going to school for theater cared more about partying so i just stopped going to school i was working at a halloween store <laughs> that's amazing uh, yeah i was working at a halloween store smoking weed all the time just drinking sounds seasonal <laughs> it was bad i started dating this dude who was the worst relationship i ever had i was in that relationship for four years and about a year into the relationship, so around 20, 2011, he told me he didn't feel comfortable with me watching wrestling anymore because he didn't want me checking out the dudes because he felt, you know, self-conscious about himself. That's so adorable. Wow. <laughs> what wow. a fuckhead. Does this man also drive a pickup truck, too? No. Does he, he drove have little a Chrysler Sebring. Does he have little feet? <laughs> For a man, yeah, he kind of got small feet. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Um, and we would fight over our, the flat iron in the morning. Wow. Yeah. Fucking horrible. 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 Did he wear more? Did he wear more, uh, did he wear more um, eyeliner than you? He did not. We tried the eye, the eyeliner once, and it did not go over well. He was a skinny jeans and scarves kind of fella. Oh, trust me. I, I know when you said fighting over the flat iron. Mm, yeah. Dead giveaway. Oh, God. It was such a dark time. So I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling. So and every so often I would be able to like sneak some Monday Night Raw in, in case I happened to have a Monday night off and he didn't. So I didn't really watch wrestling at all between 2011 and 2015. I left him in 2014 and then. I don't know what happened. I just, I guess I always worked during wrestling. So then 2015, I was working at Starbucks and I was working at GameStop. And I had a manager named Dave who I loved, adored working with him. Are you serious? You had a Dave? I had a Dave too. Everyone has a Dave. So Dave and I, and Dave's about 10 years older than me. A little more than 10 years older than me. We used to, we bonded over wrestling. So Dave had started training at NYWC. So 
I started working there in August 2015. November 2015, Dave had just become our store manager. They switched him with another manager that we had had. And he invited us all to go to an NYWC show. And I hadn't watched any wrestling in years. I hadn't seen anything. I I had never been to a wrestling event in my life. Because growing up, I wasn't really supposed to watch wrestling. In high school, I didn't have friends that liked wrestling. I was the only one, so I just watched it by myself, similar to Will. Pay-per-views I caught sporadically. I watched Raw and ECW and SmackDown by myself. So me and all my friends, we know we went to NYWC. And I just remember, like, the one match. It was, like, a battle royal of just, like, a bunch of, like, students. And it was clearly, like, very green wrestlers. And I was immediately like, oh, shit, I missed this. And by the end of the show, I was asking Dave, I'm like, how do you, like, get involved with this? So he explained to me, like, you know, you can just sign up with a school, like, you pay tuition and you train. And then I'm like, oh, okay. And I, like, never thought about it again. A few months later, he messaged me on Facebook. And he had asked if I wanted to valet for the stable he was in at the time. He was in a stable called the Hounds of Hatred with Stockade, Apollyon, um, who else was in there? Bam Sullivan, Mouse, and King Mega. And I crushed Dugan. And I'm like, okay, sure. And for four months, I was a valet for NYWC. I went under the moniker Harley Graves. And I was like a more psychotic... uh, more dead kind of Harley Quinn sort of person. I acted like Nikki Cross before Nikki Cross was a thing. I realize that now. Probably a better Corey Graves than Corey Graves could ever be. Yeah. So by being a part of NYWC, I remember that's when I started watching, 2016 is when I started watching wrestling again. So I just remember like, I didn't know who AJ Styles was. And so I got an education and I had to kind of catch myself up. So 2016 going forward is when I started watching wrestling weekly again. I left NYWC over some stupid bullshit, just misunderstandings. And but I continue to be really into watching wrestling. I still followed NYWC. And then I started tweeting about wrestling in 2016 ish. I would Mm -hmm. during during Raw and Smackdown, I used to like to get wine drunk and just go off. Yo, I like to get wine drunk all the time. So so much fun. So by this point, I had started getting followers on Twitter because of my random um, wrestling rants. And that's how I got affiliated with like, you know, Danny and Nikki and you guys. And then 2017 was when I went to my very first live event ever. I went to Monday Night Raw, the first Monday Night Raw at the new Coliseum, it was the Superstar Shake-Up. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really... Dave and I were there. Actually, Will, you were there, too. Which one? Superstar Shake-Up at the Coliseum in 2017. Yes, I was there. That <clears throat> was my very first WWE event. Wow. The, I wore wow. an Enzo Amore shirt. Oh, oh, oh boy. <laughs> I wore that an does Enzo not Amore age well. shirt. Um, and <laughs> a- I wept because the Hardy Boys were my all-time favorite tag team. So I was just like really excited to see them wrestle like as champions in person. Oh, that pop. Oh my god. And then 
Later on that year, I went to SummerSlam. That was my first pay-per-view experience. And I was wasted. <laughs> and <laughs> It was also your birthday. It was my 26th birthday. My 26th birthday, I went to my very first pay-per-view and I was hype. It was great. I wore a tiara and a Jeff Hardy shirt and Jeff Hardy gloves. Mm. And then... What'd I do next? It was 2017. Then 2018... What did I do in 2018? I started tweeting more. I started guest hosting here every so often. And then y'all surprised me with evolution tickets in October. You're welcome. Thank you. And that's when the four, <laughs> the four of us all met for the first time. We took that. Correct. Icon- we had that really ill barbecue. Yeah, or we had. Or whatever it that was, was fun. Yeah, that was that the was first fun. time I ever had Jersey Mike's. My first time, too. Oh, I've been going back ever since. <laughs> I just associate Jersey Mike's with wrestling. <laughs> um, didn't, didn't you also meet Becky Lynch at uh Yeah, I met Becky show? Lynch at Evolution at the Marriott. I um, I'm Puda. I met Maria Canellis that night, and I met Paige that night, too. You didn't tell Dave? How dare you? Well, yeah, I think that was obviously. Like, we took, <laughs> you did. Dave is forever pissed at us that we went to the Marriott. You met Kyrie the night day. before, right? Yeah, we did, we took that picture on purpose. I was like, I as like, excuse you. me, it's okay. can I take a picture to make a friend jealous? That's literally what I said. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember in twenty seventeen, I met Seamus at Roosevelt Field Mall. I remember that story. I ran into Seamus at Nordstrom. Um, <laughs> Shaman shops in Nordstrom. <laughs> <laughs> I was That's in adorable. Nordstrom Rack, and I see this guy wearing like um one of those ha- like the flat caps, and I saw a shamrock on it, and I saw red hair poking out, and I go, "What?" <laughs> what and is then this I magic? like tapped him on the shoulder. I'm like, "Hi." I'm like, "I'm sorry to bother you." I'm like, "You look exactly like the WWE superstar Seamus." He goes, "Hello, I'm Seamus," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> Because hello, I'm shit. And I almost threw up. <laughs> that was the night of the um the house show at the Coliseum where uh, Paige reti- had to retire. Oh. I did not go to that show. <laughs> I have the video of that somewhere. One of my friends sent me the video. Yeah, my friend went and he like texted me at the show. He goes, yo, dude, Paige is done. He goes, I'm at the show. He goes, and they threw up the X. Like, she, Sasha wrecked her. And I'm like, oh, boy. Sasha did not wreck her. I've seen the video. It was a, it was just a, it was just a bad bump. Yeah. So. And then also throughout, like, 2017 and 2018, I finally made a group of friends that liked wrestling. So for Big Fours, we started doing parties and watching the Big Fours together. And then they we eventually all drove to WrestleMania 35 together. Yeah, you did. Where we all tailgated together. I got to bring my Twitter friends and like my like IRL friends and mesh into one universe and it was awesome. Kate got me so high. Yeah. (laughs) I was actually talking to um some fuckboy texted me yesterday and he was like asking me how shit is and I was like talking about the podcast. And he's like, How do you even like that fuckboy's our follower, damn it? (laughs) Is he? Last time I checked, I didn't know he followed us. Oh, of course. But anyway, continue with your story. So he was like, he's like, how do you even like 
find people to like start a podcast with and I'm like Twitter and he's like what do you mean <laughs> and I'm like we became friends happened. on Twitter and it just happened yeah and I was explaining something I think I had said on the show like forever ago like we're three people that are friends who you would not expect to be friends that's most yeah. that's most of my friends <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much it, it's weird because like you know i i have this thing you know in a personal standpoint with like fate and signs and things kind of happening for a reason it's kind of like these these weird correlations like you know me you um will and dave were all at the first first raw when the coliseum reopened mm-hmm. um you know we ended up eventually obviously meeting at evolution but will you don't even know this story um because I realized this like a year or so after the fact. So remember when uh, remember when Super Canadian Fan finally came to the States and we all were at SummerSlam and stuff? Yeah. Okay. So, um, as you know, uh, the, the, the OG queen herself, uh, pretty active on Twitter. Um, and I forgot where me and her were. We might have been at McMahon's. We might have been somewhere. But like one of the last days she was there, it was probably like before the Raw or something. Um... She was like, oh, oh, it was SummerSlam. We, like, we were at McMahon's, um, which is where we met Rant, and Christina was there, too. And then that Monday is when Nikki came into the picture. Um, but she was like, oh, it's this girl's birthday, this girl that I know on Twitter. Um, it's her birthday during SummerSlam. We should go find her and wish her a happy birthday. That girl that Danny said was actually somebody who's gender non-binary, and it was Kate Murphy. That's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> Like it was, just, it was just weird the kind of thing about way back when I was like, holy fuck, like this is it's just it's just weird thing. Wrestling brings people together, is what we're talking about, and now wrestling is going to divide us all once again as we talk about our diamonds of the decade, the best wrestlers, the best pay per views, the best moments, uh, the best promos of this past decade, um, from twenty ten to 2019 so here's how it's going to go folks we're going to talk about the different categories we are not going to make official nominations the official nominations will not happen until later on in the week after you have heard this um episode once the nominations are out you're going to have about a week to vote as many times as you want um and then the first show you will hear in the year 2020 episode number 178 um will be the reveal of all the award winners of the diamonds of the decade. So we're going to have a lot of an open discussion uh, right now. So I don't know if you guys want to go into the first category right now. If you guys want to take a break, it's up to you. Um, nah, let's go balls I'm deep. Let's go. do it. What we got? Let's do it. <laughs> well, now that your balls dropped after No breaks. No yes, breaks. We we're, we're doing no breaks. It's straight all the way through. Let's do it. Straight. All right. All right. Fuck it. Let's do it. All right. So let's start out. Let's start with one that might be a little bit easier to talk about because I'm not going to go in any, any specific order. Uh, tag team of the decade. I'm ready. <laughs> now, is this only tag teams or is like factions included? Because pretty much. No, this is tag team. Just um, tag teams? So like, can, I we, to, can we say the so new I, day? <laughs> so during, no, I, I, during I, Attack of the Clones, I actually did my lists. Did you really? Uh, yeah. So let's see what you got. Well, I, I separated tag team and faction. I did too. I mean, I'm separating tag team from faction. But I'm like kind of conflicted because I put New Day under tag team. 
I consider New Day a faction that just so happened to win the tag team titles. They were innovative with the Freebird rule too, so they are technically part of a tag team. I feel like they can be both. It's it's tough I see, because I see I them more as a faction. You you got like the New Day, which is technically both, but then you have the Usos that is only a tag team. And I don't think that's fair to lump them together because the Usos have to be in one of those top 10 tag teams of the division. They're just undoubtedly. Yeah, I put them in mine. Yeah, the Usos went from being these pretty lovable baby faces. It's like traditional Samoan. (laughs) Yeah, traditional Samoan characters to all of a sudden they flipped the switch, became these really like hardcore, like Southern cow gangsters. um, And they were equally as lovable. They totally switched their characters around and they made it work each time. Absolutely fantastic. Um, Expanding outside of, of the main roster for a while, I got to think of the revival. These guys were called the mechanics for, for, for a long time. And they brought back on a grander scale, the old school style of wrestling of tag team wrestling. Splitting that ring in half is a thing of absolute beauty. I mean, while that's true, like everything you said about the revival is true, but they were only really, like I would even say relevant for two years, maybe like, where were they before okay. 2016? Oh, they were the mechanics on the Indies. <laughs> right? So, and where have they been since 2000, the beginning of 2019 or even mid 2018? So, I mean, they, they had that, that, that burst, like and NXT. Mm-hmm. The NXT run is undeniably outstanding. But if we're going to say all of wrestling for the entire decade. Okay. I, I I don't think they can qualify. This and the fact that they haven't been around long enough, and they haven't been doing it long enough, and they haven't been on top long okay. enough. That's why I didn't put them either. Like I think they have an impact for sure, and they are one of the they are one of the best tag teams of the decade. However, I don't think they're that impactful yet. Gotcha. All right. So who else do who else could we consider? I Young put, have somebody in mind. I put very specifically uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Red Dragon. Red yes. Dragon. Yeah, that that works because they've been a team forever. Um, they've been successful in every organization they've been, and they've won gold all over the place. So you can even throw technically, you could throw War Machine in there. Um, you can throw War Machine because they're the only people who've won Raw, <laughs> SmackDown, Ring of Honor, New Japan, and NXT. And we are covering Tag all titles. of wrestling, not just WWE. Yeah, I put the Young yes. Bucks as well. I think Young Bucks are the tag you team of to. the decade. You have to, one hundred percent. They. You have to. They they are single-handedly making tag team wrestling relevant. Like they the one thing I will say about AEW, their tag division is fucking amazing. Like they make tag team wrestling, even though it is a lot more spot fest and spot monkeys and all that kind of crap. Like yeah. they I've never been more invested in a tag team division than AEW. WWE has never given never given a shit about their tag team division. Unless it was an NXT. Unless it was an NXT. Yeah. So the Young Bucks, yeah. absolutely. You got to put the Young Bucks in there. They, uh, I mean, at a time they were holding like seven titles, seven tag titles at the same time. Mm-hmm. I would also put in there, uh, think about the Lucha Bros. Mm-hmm. Pentagon, uh, Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix. Again, how long have they been tagging though? Uh, I don't know if you want to count their AAA runs. 
you you can count their AAA runs. I don't know anything about that. Like I was first introduced to both of them in Lucha Underground, which is what, 2014, 2015? Yeah. Um, and they weren't tagging though. They weren't tagging until after Lucha Underground, so maybe the past three years, I'd say. Gotcha. What would, where would you put LAX in this? I mean, pretty much if there's any tag team that's been together for the past 10 years, I think they got to qualify somehow. Because <laughs> the fact <laughs> that they can survive 10 years says something about it's their hard. characters. I mean, <clears throat> it, it, it's, it's hard for a tag team to survive for that long. I mean, I don't even think a lot of the tag teams that we talked about were even formulated in the beginning of the year. Like New Day New definitely Day was, was not. Form- Usos were the young bucks were formed by the fall because they just never they just they grew up together. Um, what about the Hardys? The Hardys is tough because they've had just as much time apart. Like you have the broken Matt Hardy, you have the Jeff Hardy heel run TNA. You know, like they were in and out of the company <laughs> together and on the indies. It's they're hard. It's 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 hard to gauge specifically for tag teams, but you can make an argument for sure. I mean, they've they've always been on top. When they're a tag team, they're always on top, and they've won they've won gold again in every in single promotion. everywhere they've gone. Um, yeah, that's definitely debatable. Um, like LAX, I can't make an argument for LAX because I don't know anything about them. But I'm sure someone could make an argument for them who follows them. Like if Dave were here, he would give you the list of a rundown, all of it. <laughs> but Dave's not here. <laughs> See, with the Hardy Boys argument, and they're my again my all time favorite tag team in the world. I don't think they've had as a tag team. I don't think they've had enough impact on this decade independently. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, they have. Like, Broken Matt Hardy's one of the best things that came out of the decade. Mm-hmm. But as a tag team, not really, apart from maybe the Mania Pop. Oh, my God. That'll live with me forever. That Mania Pop was, was fantastic. Are there any other tag teams that we want to consider? Uh... That we can even think of? Breezango? Showmiz? <laughs> I do love Breezango. <laughs> How about Showmiz? What about what about um Team Hell No? Oh, Ooh. absolutely, a hundred percent. While they were the hottest thing going, Be, they they were the okay. Team Hell No was the prelude to the Yes movement. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Because once Team Hell No broke up, Daniel Bryan went to SummerSlam, faced John Cena with the tennis ball on his elbow, um, won, and then Randy Orton, uh, Triple H screwed him over. So Team Hell No, Rise absolutely. See that's. That's a difference because they weren't again. They weren't teaming for so long, but mm-hmm. they made such an impact, and they were so beloved, and still are beloved. And remember when they came back for a couple of weeks on SmackDown? Yeah, and the place went nuts. <clears throat> it still went over, and especially like look at the impact it had on someone like Kane's career. <laughs> he became a mayor, right? Like <laughs> Kane went from the devil's favorite demon. To a hugging, lovable doofus in a mask, <laughs> right? Like, Team Hell No 100% qualifies because the impact was that great. They might even be, they, even, they, might, even, they might have even honestly has got my vote because I was going for the Usos all the way, but I forgot about Team Hell No and they're so good, I feel stupid for forgetting them. <laughs> uh, and a couple of other ones to consider uh, before we move along. Um, where do you put uh, Gallows and Anderson? These guys are winning a lot of places too. Yes, J- Japan. They're in the conversation for sure. They should definitely mm-hmm. be a and, candidate for sure. Sh- absolutely. And, 
and probably one of the oddest tag teams that were formed during the decade, but actually had a lot of weird success. Uh, Sheamus and Cesaro, do 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 do. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, for a while, I was like, this is really boring. And all of a sudden, they're like, I think it's when they started doing matching jackets. I was like, these guys are pretty badass. That's honestly what sold me on them because I was not into them until the jackets happened. Then I'm like, yo, they're cool now. (laughs) (laughs) They came cool. Because I always enjoyed them both individually, but I didn't buy them as a tag team. That best of seven series. The best of seven series is incredible. Stroke of Genius by Foley. The same Mick Foley did that. Yeah, Foley, Foley, Foley also came up with the TLC match. If you could, he did do that. If you if you can make a very very good argument for um, the bar, yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, as an actual candidate over something like the Usos, New Day, um, Young I don't Bucks, know, but no. you could, hell no, be the conversation. No, but they're they're definitely worth discussing. Sure, they had yeah. they, they had a good run. Um, they lasted a lot longer than they should have, honestly. As baby yeah, faces so and you know what makes them what makes them work too they they worked as baby faces and heels. Yeah, and they 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 were, they were equally impressive. I feel like tag teams is hard to do. Yeah, um, and sometimes you got to put them together. So let's move on from tag teams and let's go to this is going to be a hearty discussion. Faction of the decade. Now remember, <laughs> this is twenty ten. Going into 2019, so some names that that automatically come up for me, obviously the new day, mm-hmm. the undisputed era. Yeah. Um. How it depends on what rendition of the Bullet Club you want to do. Just do all of it. Is, just do all of it as one. Bullet Club the in bu- general is arguably the most recognized faction of this decade. Unfortunately, I think the answer here is the Bullet Club, just based on the fact their impact on the wrestling comp, like the wrestling genre as a whole. The, sure. the Bullet Club brought in so many new fans this decade, or brought people back. It might be the most iconic T-shirt this decade. Exactly. It's the NWO of this decade. And I think right? we said that like, last week too. You, you 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 have to give it the respect. It doesn't have to be your favorite. So if you vote for no. your favorite, that's fine. But to say they're the best, I think it has to be. It has to be the the the, the Bullet Club. But I didn't even watch half their shit. All right, I don't really, the, I don't really care the for the Bullet that, Club. I care for the Bullet Club, but I think their sub faction known as the Elite ruined the mystique of the Bullet Club because it became a, it became all about them, which mm-hmm. then they started going down a very NWO path. And I think that that separatist group known as the Elite, even though they were great characters and they did create all Elite Wrestling, which is, you know, it's it's doing fine right now. But I think that really destroyed the Bullet Club. The Bullet Club, no one cares about them anymore, which I hate to say. The Bullet Club had this great mystique is that there were these outsiders coming in. Like, that was their role. They, they could not be like a... a Japanese-born wrestler. It was all these outside people coming in to invade New Japan, and they would switch around all the time when people had different opportunities. When, like, Finn left, AJ took over. AJ left, Adam Cole took over, you know, so on and so forth. Um, And they had a good thing going with that ritual. And then you have the Young Bucks and Cody um, and Kenny come in, and they're like, you know what? We're the elites of the Bullet Club. And I think that's when things started to go downhill for the Bullet Club. It shifted from the Bullet Club to the elites. 
Um, but yeah, I think I think like the fact that you look at look at the names that have been in the Bullet Club. It's it's Major it's styles. the who's who of wrestling this decade. That that's mm-hmm. that is or isn't in that, that if like any big name that came to WWE from the Indies, most of them have been in the Bullet Club. Yeah. At some point, or they formed uh, AEW. Look- <laughs> <laughs> uh, when we're thinking about other factions to talk about, um, actually, there's a counter argument to the Bullet Club. <clears throat> Sierra Hotel, Indian Echo, Lima, Delta. Yeah, I the put Shield. them. They're WWE's biggest faction. Yes, of the decade. Yes, I mean you're talking about. See the thing with 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 the shield because I I listened to Roman talk about this when he was interviewed once. A lot of different factions. It's you know the group of people make the faction popular, but for the shield, it was the faction that made those individual people superstars. Mm-hmm. It was kind of reversed. You know, you're talking about a faction that now has all four guys were Grand Slam champions now. Mm-hmm. Um. All four guys have had successful singles careers. And for a while, they were the hottest thing in wrestling. They ran rough shot um, of, on anybody and everybody. For years. Um, for years. For years. And here's the, here's the difference between the Shield and the Bullet Club. The Bullet Club had a bunch of people coming in and out. The Shield has been the Remain Shield. The those three, with the exception of Kurt Angle. All right, he yep. he gets a pass. <laughs> but other than that, it's been Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and Dean Ambrose, and it's very hard for factions to have everyone come out of that faction being a main eventer. Like you look at DX, right? Like X Pac never really made him a main eventer. Billy Gunn never really no. became a main eventer. Road Dog didn't become a main eventer. Triple H and Shawn were already made. Well, Triple Shawn was already a main eventer. Triple H became a main eventer. Like. Mm-hmm. Same at the NWO. There's so many people who came out and just kind of fizzled out. But the Shield, there's only those three, and they ran and they all rough top shot. guys up a brand at a time. Yeah, I mean, it it really it really depends how you vote. Again, it's just like the Bullet Club is big because it's I think it's bigger than wrestling. It brought more fans to the product, so it's better for the business. Whereas the Shield. Was better for stories. It's better for characters. It's better for the individuals. Yeah, I mean, the shield is, you know, just iconic. And every time they broke up, and it's really funny because you know when like factions break up and then they add somebody else. That never happened. When the shield broke up, they broke up. It was done. When they got back together, they got the they got back together, and they were the same people, mm-hmm. which was you know absolutely you know wild. Uh, speaking of staying together, I mean, for me, even though for me, uh, you know, Bullet Club and Shield were. Are great, but it's still not my favorite faction. If I'm going for favorite, it's obviously the New Day. Uh, for me, they were they were a faction that wasn't supposed to make it. Mm-hmm. You know, they were they were just three guys who were floundering. If you listen to their podcast, absolutely floundering and trying to get someone to something to work. And they started out, and people hated them. I remember my first live event for wrestling after years. We booed the shit out of them. Yep, and then WrestleMania happened, and then by the time that SummerSlam hit, they were the hottest thing going. You know, they had already become like two-time tag champs, um, 
and for 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 a group of individuals, and we'll we'll add race to this one, a group of African American individuals, um, to remain that consistent, to remain that entertaining, to be one of the top acts in wrestling for five years now, for half a decade, is unheard of. I don't think we've ever seen something like that before. I can't wait for their Hall of Fame induction. That's going to be amazing. Oh, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> going to be absolutely amazing. And then also, I have to think about the Undisputed Era. These guys, in my opinion, are probably the perfect faction. Mm-hmm. They they are, um, but I think, I think looking back, you're going to appreciate the Undisputed Era more. Um, than you do I think when they're it's, it's going to be weird to say, but for right now, I think they're the most underrated faction of this decade. Which is a shame. Which is a very so weird thing to say. Like their story is great. All characters are great. Um, but looking like next decade, looking back, you're gonna go, wow, that undisputed era was the shit. But I want to go back to New Day real quick before we actually move on uh to other yeah. factions. Um New Day has they just again, they weren't supposed they have the best story as yeah. as a faction. Um as the real guys, as the characters, all of it. They have the accolades. Like the New Day speaks for itself. They have the record and they've been together for this long and they're still going. All right. They are still going. And they have when no everybody signs wants them to of break slowing up. down. No. People like I think people do and don't. Like they had opportunities and they are just adamant and is saying no. And touche WWE to give them the creative control um after they earned it. And like if if New Day wins, I'm not gonna be upset. Like those top three contenders, Bullet Club, Shield, and New Day. They're all worthy of the title of best faction of the decade. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, who else was a faction in this decade? Wyatt, I mean, the, I'm looking at a list right now. The Wyatt, you, the Wyatt family. Oh, man. You know. They they didn't get going as well as they should have. Yeah. They just, they couldn't pull the trigger on them completely. But The Wyatt family, yeah. I looked into a lot for inspiration when I was doing the whole Hounds of Hatred thing. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Also, but, the Nexus. Yeah, the the Nexus. Yeah. The Nexus is worth definitely mentioning. Um, it's just a shame that nothing came from any of them except Daniel Bryan. Yeah, John Cena ruined them. Yeah, yeah. they they are they're they're the faction that should have been. They should have been the shield and undisputed and all of them wrapped into one. Mm-hmm. They had the they had the people, they had the size. Like think of the people that were in the Nexus, Wade Barrett, Daniel Bryan, Ryback, uh David Otunga when he looked menacing. Um, <laughs> Heath Slater. <laughs> Heath Slater. Justin Gabriel. Was, well, Justin Gabriel, yes. All those people. CM and, Punk. No, Punk wasn't in there. Yeah, Husky he's Harris Punk, was. Punk was the Punk was the leader. Punk was the leader later of, on. Um, later on. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's say Punk was the leader of um, Straight Edge Society. The new Nexus. Excuse me. The new Nexus. <laughs> <laughs> the new Nexus. Yes. Um, where do you put? I'm going to throw out two, two, two groups. Where do you put Evolution? Even though a lot of their big run was in the 2000s, um, they did have a bit of a stint for a little bit. Wasn't no, they're not successful? on here. No, not at all. Um, not, not a goddamn chance. I didn't even consider chance. them this decade. The authority. <sighs> that is technically a faction. Yeah. Um, 
No, they were just they opened up. They opened up Monday Night Raw for like three years. I know, but they were they were so annoying. Like, which was the point? <laughs> they were they were a catalyst to lift Seth. Um, they made Seth a star. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, they were just like, get off my television. Just, you didn't like welcome to Monday Night Raw every freaking week. Just I didn't. fuck off. All right. J and J security, corporate Kane was dumb. You know, Stephanie was really good at getting heat. Triple H was good at getting heat. Seth was good at getting heat. J and J were good at being minions. But like this 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 faction was just done better in nineteen ninety eight with Vince McMahon. <laughs> in the corporation. <laughs> right? It was it was just done better. But if you want to talk about other factions. Uh, we got, as I get a text message, I think. We got to talk about the main event mafia and fucking TNA. All right? Okay. We got to right. do it. We can do, yeah, do we main event do mafia. Uh, Kevin Nash, Kurt Angle, Scott Steiner, Samoa Joe, Sting, um, and Magnus. Now, the main event mafia. Jesus. Although the main event, no, but why is the main event mafia in here? They were the previous decade because they ended in like. 2009 when I started watching like the end of 2009 they ended pretty much um, yeah. so I don't even why they're uh, fuck that fuck the main event mafia I mean yeah because we, were, we, were, we were, are counting 2010 to 2019 so 2009 yeah, so sorry. does fuck, not count fuck main event mafia aces and eights that's what I meant aces and eights there, there you go alright talk about because I'm, I'm a TNA guy here right it's, it's, it's a fact Holy Ray. Um, that when aces and eights first came out it was kind of like like that what the hell is going on? It was kind of like the response to the Nexus in a way. Because they kind of did the same yeah. thing where they destroyed the ring and, you know, like they copied wrestling all the time. Um, but it was the idea of who's the leader? Who's this guy? Who's that guy? And it got better and better. But as soon as Bully Ray was announced as the leader, that's when it started going downhill. Um, you know, Bully Ray, it launched Bully Ray. Like Mr. Anderson was in there. Doc was in there. Like, um, D'Lo Brown was in there. Devon Dudley was in there. It's got it got mm-hmm. so oversaturated and got the NWO syndrome, but it, yeah. it, it oversay it's welcome, but it's definitely worth mentioning because for a short time it was fucking amazing. Okay, yeah, we'll give aces and eights. All right, so let's move on um, to a one that's probably going to be the shortest one because there's not that many of them around anymore, even though a lot of them are growing and coming up. Uh, Company of the Decade. NXT. So we're we're looking for a company as a whole. So are you going to separate NXT from main WWE? Yeah, because otherwise you just have WWE, ROH, New Japan, and AEW. It's it's not a conversation. Like it's not. I mean, you also have you also have evolve, evolve, evolved into something after WWE money, of course. Uh, you can also go overseas and do progress. Yeah, but you're not going to put them above uh, WWE. WWE okay, is fair. arguably the most successful company. It's not even arguably. Well, the it's the most th- successful okay. company. The only thing that will beat WWE is NXT. But you can also think New Japan. Think about how big Wrestle Kingdom has become. True. Wrestle Kingdom is arguably the second biggest event in it all of wrestling. It is the second bis- biggest I, I, event. I, I, I will say it is, but um, how is their business compared to WWE? They expanded into America, and they do American shows all the time. Remember the G1 Supercard? The G1 begins in America, ends in Japan. Okay, okay. For the past, like, three years. 
That's fair. Like, remember, you know, they sold out the garden. That was a fun show. One of their first American shows. They sold out the garden. New Japan has pull in America. And they showed that by selling out the garden on WrestleMania weekend. I mean, if you're talking exponential growth from 2010 to 2019, you could say by percentage, um, New New Japan has grown substantially. But... So is WWE. And they have the accolades to do it. So is yeah, but, WWE has, ex- yeah. Like WWE I has mean, gone you, from like huge to mega huge. All right, like again, like they've they've they've. <laughs> you want to talk about expansion? They've expanded into Saudi Arabia. They've expanded into Australia. They've expanded into the UK. They're still expanding. They're becoming global. Yeah. New Japan reached America. Glo- Great. New- WWE is reaching everywhere <laughs> else. All right. <laughs> global global localization exactly. is what Triple H calls it, which is pretty much just imperialism on a different scale. Um, if you don't know what imperialism is, read a dictionary. <laughs> it's the globalization we want, <laughs> not the one we deserve, but the one we want. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But so I can see where NXT probably is that company where it just became a revolutionary. In and of itself, um, but okay. Well, okay, well let's WWE- let's 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 rephrase the category: uh, best promotion instead of best company. Okay, you know I did want to mess up promotion with promo. You know what I mean? But we can do promotion. Best business promotion? I don't know. Okay, that is a fair point, but <laughs> that's why I wanted to do company because it kind of stands out. But you have that NXT argument when I say company. See, here, but here's the difference though: like it's not WWE NXT; it's just NXT. True. Okay. So we can still keep it as company, probably. Okay, let's keep it as company. NXT has made the most impact. It has, but here's my here's my counter-argument to that. Is NXT as impactful without the WWE Network, which is a WWE product? No, absolutely not. You know, that's the thing. If, if there's anything that's made an impact in the wrestling business this past decade, it's the WWE Network. Yeah. It showed that wrestling streaming is absolutely perfect. <laughs> it took it like it put it put everybody put WWE on a just a bigger pedestal. They totally changed the economic the like wrestling economics in 2014 with the debut of a network. Yeah, they, they they took a WWE network and just built Mount Olympus and looking down and going, ha, 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 demigods. <laughs> where where now every major promotion, even the smaller promotions, now have streaming services because they have to <laughs> to survive now. They do have to, and if I were them, I'd be like, hey Netflix, please buy us. Pretty much. <laughs> Please, because that's know. the only way they're going to survive. Because there's too I many like streaming services. So they, have, they have to like merge. It's, it's genuinely like one of the streaming services I use the most. It's my number one streaming service on Roku. It's the first thing I see. Definitely. 100%. I use the network more than anything else. Although, I have been using a lot of Hulu. Um, <laughs> For me, it's Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I have been using a lot of Disney+, Plus too. I've been watching animated shorts from the 30s, and they're fucking amazing, most of them. And racist, but whatever. Not all of them. <laughs> There's a few. <laughs> they give you, yeah, they com- give you a warning. Hard. I mean, NXT is the most influential and most impactful because that literally changed wrestling because it was the biggest, it's the best combination of independent wrestling meets mainstream. Yeah. It's also, it's the best wrestlers, the best characters, it's the best storylines, it's the best crowd. It's the 
Absolutely. It's the best everything. They just do everything better than everyone else. You know, I think Finn Balor said it best when he was on um when he was on WWE backstage. NXT is Broadway. Mm-hmm. Mm. And and everything else, and like WWE main roster New Japan. It's television. That's like Hollywood. Yeah. That is an ex wow. That is, a, that is an excellent comparison. You know where the focus is on the acting and the skill, mm-hmm. you know, and the, and and the art and the craft. Sell yourself. 100%. Wow. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't hear that before. <laughs> that's incredible. That's one of my favorite it. moments of the year. I love it. That's, that. that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. NXT is, is, it's your Broadway show. Where do you have dedicated people who are seeing that product all the time, um, and they go crazy for it all the time, and the and like there's just a, there's this literal connection with the fans and the wrestlers that you don't really get in any other promotion on like a week to week basis. It's pretty awesome. It is really awesome. So NXT will probably get my vote, although it's really hard to go against WWE because that machine has just become a juggernaut this decade. Well, Ricky, Ricky, you, you, you did you did kind of like, just to go back to your point, like, would NXT work without WWE? No, but would you, can you really vote for WWE with, without considering NXT? I mean, yeah. Like, like if you're going, it, depends, it also depends how you vote. If you go on the, the quality of product, it, it's NXT. But if you're going in terms of growth, it's New Japan. If you're going in terms of business, it's WWE. Yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be an interesting one to see what uh, who who wins that one. That's going to be really, really interesting. I might fill right, three so. and vote for each. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Just just to give yourself peace of mind. Yeah, it's, it's a quality. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go from companies, and now we're going to go to another hard one, and it's going to be how you see it. Pay per view of a decade. I added this for you, Will. Oh no. This is hard. So you can go by like the pay-per-view and the year of the pay-per-view or the pay-per-view series as a whole. Oh, that's how you want to do it? It's either or. It it depends. You can do the pay-per-view series as a whole or you can do the pay-per-view and the year of that pay-per-view. I'll give you you one for each. Um, Okay. Pay-per-view of the decade for me is WrestleMania 30. Um, that was a powerful, that was a powerful I one. thought that Mania was just, even though, you know, Bray Wyatt lost, you had the Daniel Bryan story, of course, the streak ending. There was just so many, and the opening with uh, Rock, Hogan, and Stone Cold, awesome. called it the wrong building. Like, Silverdome. <laughs> there's so many memorable things from that WrestleMania. It's just. Cesaro lifting the big the show. The big show, like, uh, yep. Like Hulk did, um, yep. like Hulk did Andre. Like that WrestleMania is so memorable for so many reasons. I can't tell you how many other things I can't remember from other WrestleManias because I don't remember them. <laughs> um, so that's the, that, that's the individual pay per view. If I'm going series of pay per views, it's probably Money in the Bank. Ooh. Because the Money in the Bank we went to Ricky this year, phenomenal. Uh, the, and really fucking funny. And if, and if I'm being selfish, Money in the Bank 2016 with Dean Ambrose, all the Shield ring at the same night within like two minutes of each other. Um, yeah, the Money for the Marks like, episode. One. Like the first, the first uh, women's Money in the Bank ladder match for better or worse. Like there's so many memorable things that have happened at Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank had Cena and Punk. 
Yep, Money in the Bank had Cena Punk. Summer um, of Punk. Cash-ins. So if you're going to go for memorable moments of a series of pay-per-views, it's Money in the Bank. I'll, I'll counter that. Memorable moments, series of pay-per-views. How about every NXT takeover this entire I day? I was going to say takeover. Fair. fair. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Survivor Series, but that's also fair. <laughs> I mean, Survivor Series, you even have the moment of... The, I mean, we'll talk about this moment of a decade thing, but Sting. Yeah. Um... But, uh, you know, NXT TakeOver as a series, there's no other series of pay-per-views that just continually tops each other almost each time. There's so many moments. If, I, if there was one that stood out, there's a couple. Obviously, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn won the first one outside of Full Sail, um, I think was huge, just to show how big NXT had become because they sold out in 30 minutes on a whim like that like at Brooklyn one was a last minute decision by WWE and the place was a madhouse um and also uh NXT takeover uh New York not Brooklyn 5 NXT takeover New York was huge uh the one that really really stands out to me and I think has stood the test of time NXT takeover New Orleans mm-hmm. Holy crap! The that only card pay- top to bottom. The only WWE event that Meltzer gave five star, two five star matches to. Yeah, I mean, even Philly was a nutso one. In Chicago. Yeah, that was tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but also uh, we're thinking about other things. Uh, also, like you know, specific moments. Uh, the WrestleMania is the last, the latter half of the years have been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 35 this past year was a damn near flawless show with, by way of match pacing. Um, you know, personally, 33, what's up? Personally, for me, I'm just going to go away from WWE. Uh, Bound mm-hmm. for Glory 2010. Uh, for me, was it's the culmination of long-term storytelling in TNA. It's when Jeff mm-hmm. Hardy turned heel. It's when Immortal formed. Um you had the mostly machine guns against the young bucks, which was Generation Me. Um, you had me. you had just chaotic matches on that card. And if I could find it on the internet, I would probably watch it tonight. But since I can't, so you sure you're not going to pick Victory Road? I'm definitely not picking Victory Road. But that's that's an honorable mention for me. <laughs> um, also, I mean, we got to do all of wrestling. Um, I mean, you can put in all in, all out. They were. Big successes in and of itself are not series yet, um, but they are. They were big and revolutionary for 2019. Uh, we got to add in Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Wrestle Kingdom became like an experiment that happened in the latter half of last decade to visit the second biggest show, the second biggest wrestling show in the world, and it kicks off the year. It's always a really and good that, way to start the year. And now it's two days. People stay up till three, four in the morning to start the show, to live tweet the show. That's insanity. But that's how good the show is. Mm-hmm. It's the WrestleMania of the Far East. And I think without Wrestle Kingdom, New Japan has no chance of competing. And no chance of even going over to the States and trying to make a name for themselves. But, you know, Wrestle Kingdom became so big. Especially in the United States. When you look at the numbers, they had to expand over here. Wrestle Kingdom is something that kept New Japan afloat in this decade. Plus, their matches are ridiculous. Yeah. 
<laughs> Jericho Omega. Remember that? Omega Okada, AJ Styles, Shinsuke. You know, just, just endless, endless stuff um, from Wrestle Kingdom. Um, any other pay-per-views we want to talk about? For me, Slam. I just oh, have a personal favorite for me, and I'm probably just going to be being biased. Evolution was just very special for me. I think you have to include Evolution. It was the first. Oh, definitely. It was the first of its kind. 100%. Of that magnitude, Yeah, actually. by default, first of it's, it's definitely nominated. Magnitude. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's iconic, I mean, was- and then plus, like, the memories I personally have attached to it, like... Evolution brought me you guys, and Evolution brought me the show, like, truly. Mm-hmm. And apart from WrestleMania, going to my first Mania this year, I have not felt like a kid at wrestling events like I did at Evolution. That crowd was on that fire That was the most Evolution. insane crowd I've ever experienced. That crowd was absolutely on fire, and it was everything that, if you're Vince McMahon, it's everything that you want for an exper- for a show that was at the time just experimental because you don't know is this going to work you know but I, he picked the right venue I think he picked the absolutely perfect venue for it especially with the acoustics in that mm-hmm. arena um, and the right type of crowd we are not as snark Long Island is not as snarky as Brooklyn is they're, they're a tad bit more respectful and they were very excited about this and not just the women in the crowd there were men in the crowd too who were really excited for this like i think i remember from evolution when it was that giant like you know tag matches take off a show and trish and mickey james got into the ring at the same time and the crowd was going absolutely mm-hmm. shit. i remember thinking dave was gonna pop an artery during the tony story match <laughs> That's Dave during most matches. No, but the Tony Storm one especially. <laughs> you know, so it it was things like that that made that show so iconic. And obviously that 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 last woman standing match, Becky and uh Becky and Charlotte. I love so that good. match. So good. Uh let's move along. Um so we just did pay-per-view. Uh oh, this is going to be really fun. Um promo of the decade oh i'm ready this is gonna be hard is it though it's it's not that it's not that hard they can also include retirement speeches by the way okay that's fair (laughs) um it's the pipe bomb pipe bomb it's the pipe bomb next i did come up with others though i don't i mean the pipe bomb was huge but also think about um, it was huge. But I feel like what did he, I mean? Did did that much good come from it? He got a great. He got a really really long title reign of it. He ended up leaving the company and quitting. But the pipe like bomb changed thing- how how wrestling is looked at. That was the first time that anybody had verbalized how the fans were feeling. He broke the fourth wall. He made the fans feel understood for the first time in a long time. I will say that that promo was the reason that a lot of people got back into wrestling. CM Punk brought so many people back. Mm-hmm. See, all right, so this is one of the moments I talked about earlier that transcended my wrestling fandom. Mm-hmm. This, the pipe bomb. Because back no, back then, was it 2011? 2011. 2011. It was the summer of 2011. Um, summer, summer, going, summer going into my 
sophomore year of high school, high school, college, high school. Yeah. <laughs> high college. <laughs> or maybe junior year. I don't know. High school. Someone going into high school. Some kind of high school. Um, <laughs> now, Raw came out obviously on Mondays, but I would wait for it to finish and that like, start watching at midnight and fast forward through the commercials. And this was to end the show. So this was like two in the morning. Um, and as soon as the pipe bomb finished, like this was a moment I didn't really, cause I would like be on my phone or like whatever, just kind of half watch wrestling. I watched this motherfucker twice. Cause I had to rewind it to make sure I actually heard mm-hmm. what I was hearing. And as soon as the, like, the, the, the lower third came up, I Googled word for word was CM Punk's promo real. Like <laughs> this was the first time in my wrestling fandom I looked to the dirt sheets, all right? Like, I had to know what was going on with this promo because it was fucking crazy. And this was a few hours after it happened, so something could have broke. <laughs> so, so I, this, this, like, this brought me back. Yeah, I was, like, so into the summer of punk. I was so into wrestling, like, more than I ever had been. I'm not going to say I was kind of waning out of wrestling, but this moment transcended my wrestling fandom. And if that pipe bomb didn't happen, maybe this podcast doesn't happen. Maybe I don't kind of have a future in podcasting. It's totally maybe. definitely possible. But for me personally, this pipe bomb promo, it's it's legendary for multiple reasons in and outside of wrestling. The yeah, pipe bomb I'm- is how I knew CM Punk would be my favorite wrestler until the day I died. Hmm. And only, not only that, you. but the pipe bomb brought CM Punk back. Like, I was huge into Killswitch Punk. I was huge into my first started wrestling. CM Punk was my favorite wrestler. He's one that of. That was everything. And when that he was in ECW, you know, he won two Money in the Bank ladder, ma- uh, ladder matches. He kind of got squashed by Taker. He didn't even lose his, he didn't even lose the belt. He lost it in a backstage segment to Randy Orton. Um, so, like... And CM Punk kind of fizzled out. You know, he had his bullshit with the next. It was stupid. He was on commentary for a little bit. This brought CM Punk back and made him the main eventer he deserved to be. So one of my favorite wrestlers being back in the spotlight This even transcended my wrestling love even more. Okay, Ricky, now you can- I'll give you, you some can, other promos. Now you can bring something else uh, up. <coughs> I'll give you another promo, but I think does not get the respect it deserves for initiating- the women's revolution not just give divas a chance bullshit the aj lee pipe bomb on the bellas yes yes one of her last promos before she left the company i believe is the one of the real reasons that things started changing the bellas like to take credit for you know the whole give divas a chance thing which it was trending which was a real thing but i don't think that occurs unless aj lee puts them in their place which is what you think. And you think of AJ Lee as a wrestler who was a couple of years too early. She really 100%. was. 100%. For what she wanted to do. She um, was the Alundra Blaze of our generation. Yeah. Pretty much. She was a couple of years too early. And it's a shame that she couldn't be in the, the spotlight with the rest of the women wrestlers that are going on right now because she deserved it. She was all, one of the only pure wrestlers, her and Caitlyn actually, um, one of the more pure wrestlers of their time. Um, let's go to retirement speeches. The Daniel Bryan retirement brought a tear to my eye the first time I heard it. Yeah, 
It's mm-hmm. it's one of the most difficult things to watch because you watch somebody lose their dream in front of thousands of people. In front of his hometown. Yeah. And like the moment I say this, I I mentioned on the show before, but the moment that really gets me in that promo gang shows us thinking about it right now, not because I'm cold. Was his um, father? No, it's when he goes, my favorite part of wrestling is when I dive and I get right about here. Yeah. And he goes through the ropes. I'm just yeah. like, oh my God, he's like a kid. <laughs> like, um, that that speech it's almost it's almost like I didn't want him to come back after that because it was such a storybook ending. But that return speech Where he tied in the last speech. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. Um Edge's retirement speech. Oh, that one hurts. That one hurts a lot too. Cause even I mean, Edge Daniel Bryan had a well crafted one. I don't know how he did it getting through that thing. Um, but Edge's was like... It was a shock. Was like he just got... He wrestled the he night before. The, yeah, he got the news the next day that he had to, you know, relinquish everything and retire on the spot. And you watch him go through those emotions. And you watch him try to fight off shock in front of everybody. On a Raw After Mania crowd. On a Raw After Mania crowd. The hottest crowd of the year. Yeah. Mark Henry's fake that, retirement speech. Well, unbelievable. Definitely so it's good. it's in there. It's there. So it's good. there. So I'm sorry, oh, it's that's, there. That's salmon suit. That salmon suit, baby. I was also one of those moments where I was like, wow, he got me. Oh yeah. Like, I was I was totally got by that. Um of course the Hall of Fame solidifying Miz talking smack promo on Daniel Bryan. Yes. I put that too. That is something that totally broke the fourth wall because Miz even says we had a plan and then Daniel Bryan said something and I just lost it. And he just he just went on a tear. Yeah. I mean, the, that po- <laughs> also saved the Miz's career because his career was pretty much floundering. Um and, and he found his character again. Yeah, and it was amazing. And thank God he did. And Daniel Bryan and The Miz is one of the rivalries of the decade, if not rivalries of all time. Um, they are forever mm-hmm. linked. Their careers are forever linked with each other. It's That's another moment that kind of transcended wrestling. You know, because like, I remember a lot of people in and out of wrestling like, yo, did you hear about this Miz guy just going off? Like, it was so real. Like, you had Daniel Bryan leaving. You look at Maurice. Maurice doesn't want to be there. <laughs> you know, you have Renee Young trying to control stuff and she can't do a thing. Dude, it was so real they canceled the show. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, guys, this this is enough smack. Like we can't we can't <laughs> be talking this much smack. It's a, it's it's not a good look. <laughs> um who else can we put in there for, for promos? For I promo mentioned it's- on my list. I have um, Paul Heyman's pipe bomb right after CM Punk's pipe bomb. Do you remember that? I don't. Uh, I feel like anything pro- Paul Heyman says is a promo. He sits in the middle of the ring just like CM Punk was in the, uh, the pipe bomb. In Chicago. Mm-hmm. In Chicago. I remember this now. Yes. And he was talking about how CM Punk is the guy that WWE wanted, the guy that had too many tattoos, the Paul Heyman guy. It was... I forgot about that until I was like doing research like today, trying to figure out what I wanted to put. That ma- that mm-hmm. promo fucked me up. 
Can we just lump Paul Heyman Paul promos Heyman into its own sec, its own category? Yeah, I I'm totally in agreement with that because I feel like anything Paul said. I mean, this man has promoted in Latin. Yeah, that's the same. He started chanting amazing. Latin. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> like Paul, he's what done are you Latin, doing? He's done Hebrew. I think he did Spanish once. When he, ref- like, when he refers himself as a Jew, like it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's one time he got on the crowd. Um, because someone tried to heckle him and he just heckled him back. I was like, Jesus Christ, here we go. Um, honorable mention, I don't think this will never make it, but I want to give him kudos because he was always horrible on the mic until he started making this comeback. The Goldberg, the first promo Goldberg came back with, I was like, wow, he learned to speak. Good job, Bill. Yay. <laughs> so I want to give him an honorable mention. I want to give him, the, he's not a pro, he's not a mic person. Um... God, I really hate to say this, but he was also a great Mike guy this decade and potentially one of the best. Enzo Amore. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I mean, he that his, his uses of the microphone and his ability to cut a promo is the reason he got as high as he did. It was amazing. I don't give a fuck what anybody I says. I made 205 Live <laughs> relevant. How you doing? <laughs> I mean, without his, without his, you know, smack talk and things all the time, they barely get out of NXT. Because Enzo can't really wrestle. Yeah, and Cass can't really speak. And Cass, well, he speaks better now. Um, but Enzo was the perfect mouthpiece for them, and his his promos were. We're good. We're so good. Uh, speaking of promos as well, uh, you can also lump in anything the New Day did. Based on creativity. Mm-hmm. You know, remember the time of a New Day did a promo and they were the Wyatts? Yeah, oh, that was yeah. pretty funny. <laughs> Do you remember the rap battle with the Usos? Oh, the Usos rap battle was so good. You know what else I put too? It was so good they had to censor it. Yeah. I also put, uh, do you remember John Cena shit-talking Roman Reigns for not being able to cut a promo like two years ago? Yeah, yeah I'm, no, I'm here because you oh, can't do so your good. job. That was, that came from a real place, too. Yeah, yeah. all right. Also, honorable mention, <laughs> uh, the Miz and Maurice's vignettes when it being Cena and Brie. <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorite feuds. Total Bella bullshit. Total Bella bullshit. Total Bella bullshit. <laughs> 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 oh, I missed so that funny. segment. John, John Cena house rule number 43. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, I got you a diamond. Dallas Page Yoga Set. <laughs> so good. I, and even back to that first, uh, the first superstar shakeup when Ms. Maurice came out as a. John Cena. It's John Cena, Nikki So Bella can we John's just talk music. about So that's my first WWE event ever, right? And John Cena's music hits. I freaked out and lost my fucking mind. <laughs> and it's the Miz and Maurice. So <laughs> I was like, oh, you're a genius, Miz. Don't ever change. It's so good. Don't ever change. So yeah, promo. It's going to be hard to beat that pipe bomb. It's the, but it's, we shall it's see. the pipe bomb. You know. Uh, so let's move on. Um, I'm leaving one deliberately for last. Um, but we got like, I think four more to go. Yes, we do. Let's go to a really tough one. Rivalry of the decade. Gargano Ciampa. Yes. <laughs> For me personally, absolutely. Um, 
Yes, but there is others worth talking about as well. For me, it's like really close between Champa Gargano and Punkinsina. Punkinsina didn't didn't last as long as it should have. I mean, they faced off from time to time, but there wasn't that consistency of legendary matches for me. Yeah, I'm not putting Punk and Cena in there either. I'll I'll go I'll go Brock Taker. Okay. Because there was so Omega Okada, yes. Yeah, for like sure. Brock Taker, there was so many times. Like it was always just like, you know, Taker always liked putting over Brock. Um and he didn't yeah. beat him until that Hell in a Cell match. Mm-hmm. And you also think about that 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 moment at uh if you watch the Broken Skull sessions, Taker says he doesn't even remember WrestleMania thirty. Yep. And the fact that Brock had to carry the veteran through a match is a testament to to Brock's ability as wrestler. And like we we all shit on Brock, like he's like, you know, a one trick prony, but Brock is a Brock knows what he's doing in the Oh, ring. he's legit. <laughs> you know. We shit on Brock, but he's actually that damn good. Like he deserves all the accolades that he that he's gotten. You know, and push comes to shove, he did the right thing to make sure Taker was as safe as possible when he was blatantly concussed. Yep. Um, Omega Okada, obviously, because that was the hottest thing running. Um, sometimes I felt there. I mean, the thing about Omega Okada was that their feud was very old school. There was time limits. They did 60-minute, like, Iron Man-style classics. Things that, like, Flair and Steamboat we're doing back in like the 80s and the 70s and we hadn't seen that in such a long time and they were they were knocking it out of the park it was good um my favorite of theirs is the two out of three falls because i thought that was a master class in psychology but they did really really well uh but from a personal standpoint i was so and i think we as a whole were so engulfed in gargano and champa yeah and because and because of the injuries that story extended for such a long time it extended but i i was thinking about this because the one blemish on gargano and champa is the fact that they couldn't finish it right because that that last final injury but but put it this way maybe maybe not or maybe it would have been delayed if that injury didn't happen adam cole would not be in the superstoric historic level he is right now I mean, if the injury doesn't happen, we don't get Andrade Cien Almas. That too. As a superstar that he is. Um, and uh, Ciampa would not be a massive babyface right now. A complete character change. Like, that injury really kind of was a blessing in disguise because that final match in Brooklyn, as awesome as it would have been, looking back, was it 100% necessary? Probably not. I mean, Adam Cole's the main man, and they needed to progress past that feud. Yeah. You know, and I and and they did. It worked out for the better. Uh, That's what I'll say. It did. I agree. Other rivalries of a decade that I think deserve to be mentioned. Sammy and Kevin. Oh my God, Sammy and Kevin. They just didn't have the matches. You know what it was? We we didn't get the matches that we wanted on the main roster. They had that one classic at Battleground mm-hmm. that, you know, they put them in the middle of a card and no one thought they were going to steal the show, but they knew they were going to steal the mm-hmm. show. And then they never put them up against each other again. All I wanted all... is them to have, like, a good-ass Mania match. That's, that's and what I still hope wants. for it. You know, and one day, whenever they want to bring Sammy back into the ring, um, one day I hope they do that. Because those guys are 
gold. And the, the story has remained the same since NXT, which is great for them. Um, however, another one, uh, Charlotte and Sasha of 2016. Yeah. That's the best female rivalry of the decade for sure. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll give them that at least. They're back and forth to, to have those many title matches and flip-flop. Usually when you do hot potato with titles, it doesn't really work. But their matches were so distinctly different that it was a stroke of genius. No, it wasn't. I still wasn't that big of a fan. Uh, Roxena. Was... Yeah. Twice in a lifetime, three times. Yeah, but that one-year feud, though, we've never seen that before, probably for a good reason. But it was it was great. I I just – it was a good feud. You know, that the promos they did back and forth um, and extended to the second year, like it was real. It felt yeah. real. Uh, and animosity was real. And it just – and just the irony of John Cena doing exactly what The Rock did. Um, but yeah, that's funny. Mm-hmm. We're going from there, we you can also, go Miz Cena. No, total bella bullshit. Mm-hmm. Total bullshit. And by the way, folks, The Miz won. He's still, he's, he's still winning. All right, he has two yeah. kids. Yeah. <laughs> two, Miz 2, John 0. And then, of course, Miz Daniel Bryan, which is the closest thing I got to Champa Gargano and Kenny Omega Okada. Um, but Omega Okada. I mean, also, if you want to even go further, and then this is a more recent rivalry, um, but I still think it deserves mention uh, because of the intergenderness of it. Uh, Sammy Callahan and Tessa Blanchard have been putting on showstoppers, especially on Impact. Mm-hmm. I think Tessa Blanchard was going for the Impact World Heavyweight Championship. Is she? I think her and Sammy Callahan have been going back and forth with this, um, and they've been putting on some some classes and it's it's revolutionary because you think of the whole intergender stigma and they're really breaking boundaries wait isn't that. sammy callahan solomon crow yes that's amazing <laughs> he i mean his he found himself again in the indies good for him and he's he's blown he's blown up absolutely blown up um what other rivalries do we have oh also tag rivalries um Uso's new day Uso's new day oh they made a pre-show match iconic. Hell in a Cell, though. That tag team Hell in a Cell was Roman versus the World. Oh. <laughs> that's that's the that also could have been promo of the decade. We have to add that in. This is my yard now. After getting cursed out for ten minutes, yep. I'll add. Okay, a, that, a, that, 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 that works. <laughs> best promo we've ever had. Yeah, what an impact that was. Um... Oh, what whatever rivalries? Oh, how could I forget this? AJ Styles, John Cena. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy crap! That SummerSlam moment. I've never hulked out after someone won clean as a whistle, but you can ask Dave. I lost my cookies when when AJ beat him clean as a whistle at SummerSlam. It was one of the craziest things I'd ever seen, especially where AJ Styles was coming from. Um, and the rocket ship was strapped on him ever since that. That was when Cena was doing the jobs as he should have been doing. The neck, yeah, he only he didn't get to all seven for the neck. <laughs> Cena, 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 <laughs> Cena made up. Cena made up for uh, the, the the ten years of burying the world. <laughs> <laughs> what about Jericho KO? Yes, I put Festival of Friendship in like my moments of the decade. 
Are really other outside WWE rivalries that really like took us, took the wrestling world by storm? I mean, I, I loved of... Jericho and Omega. That too. Jericho versus anything in that all wrestling, wrestling at the match. I, I remember like I remember that so vividly. AJ Kurt Angle. They always put on great matches in TNA. Yeah. Um, trying to think of what else. Oh, a, well, AJ Joe was last decade really. Um, do we add Daniel Bryan versus the Authority as a rivalry? You could do Daniel Bryan versus Triple H. Yeah. True. Which only had one match in particular, but still the the fighting in between that. That's all it needed. Um, yeah. TNA. That's all I got. Ro- Roman Brock for a while. It's a few no one really cared about though. Unfortunately. It was impactful, but it wasn't impactful. It was the it was the rivalry we wanted to care. We, WWE wanted you to care about. We were just like, no, sorry. Yeah. Not gonna happen. All right, all right. So let's move on to some other ones right now. This is, now it's gonna start getting real hard. This is our final three. All right. I believe yes, our final three, uh, and we are gonna start with the women. Here come the women, female superstar of the decade. My wife Becky Lynch. My wife Sasha Banks. Uh, it's Charlotte. It's only Charlotte. <laughs> the only person, okay, the only person I will actually debate other than Charlotte is Asuka. Other than that, there's very little to no conversation. Tessa Blanchard. Don't know anything about her. You, you have to make I an argument. I put Paige, AJ Lee, and Nikki Bella. You have to put Nikki Bella. You do have to put Nikki like, Bella. Um, yeah. She's a good crossover sensation. Mm-hmm. Paige. Paige, yes. Um, they started the women's evolution. Back in NXT. Okay. We wouldn't have at- what we have now without Paige and AJ Lee. They're good contenders, but not going to beat Charlotte in my book. They're not number one, though, but they're up there. But here's something that someone else doesn't have. Uh, so here's something that Charlotte doesn't have. Charlotte has never won... The women's tag titles. There's only one woman that has won the Raw, the SmackDown, the NXT, and the WWE women's tag titles, and that's Bailey. Mm-hmm. Bailey's the so most Bailey, decorated, and also sh- Bailey is the most decorated. Yep. I didn't put Charlotte for the sole uh, reason. While I agree that she's important, most of her title reigns have not been long or substantial. She hot but- potatoes a lot. Doesn't matter if you look at any big moment in women's wrestling, except she's for involved. One, save for one, she's involved. Uh, she has been big moment in women's wrestling that that does not include Charlotte, uh, Sasha Bailey. That entire feud, which by the way, Sasha Bailey should be in rivalry of the decade as well. Um, you have the the, the Sasha Bailey moments that doesn't include Charlotte at and all, and that is the one. That's that's the one. Mm-hmm. Other than that, mm-hmm. oh, and the first women's Royal Rumble because she, yeah, she was champion. She wasn't involved. But other yeah. than other than yeah. that, really, like Charlotte uh, is Ron, the Ronda Ronda Rousey. No, she was in there for a year. Doesn't matter. She was the most. She's the biggest impact. The women's Revolution isn't 
that substantial and long lasting. They don't get the main event of WrestleMania without Ronda Rousey. Ronda Great Rousey brought there in for a, a lot year. of mainstream like yeah, but interest. she got she got more that for the decade being a UFC fighter. Yeah, but so did Brock Lesnar. We're gonna put Brock Lesnar as male superstar of a decade. No, too. but Brock started in wrestling, went to the UFC, then came back. Doesn't matter. Brock became known as a UFC fighter more than a wrestler. Her UFC career is what elevated her to be the wrestler she is, and her being elevated through the wrestler she is is what elevated everybody else. And you can say the same thing for Brock. Again, yeah. I'm not a fan of Ronda Rousey. I'm not, but I can't deny what she did for the you year know, she was here. But for the decade, the for wrestling. the whole decade, you're gonna put Ronda Rousey when she was there for yeah. a, a, a fart in church. Yeah, she was because it's not, it's not as the women's aren't as impactful without Ronda. You have to consider her. I'm not saying she's gonna win, but you have to consider her. She doesn't. Look how bad she deserves to win. But she has to be in the in the in the talk for yeah. it. I think they would have eventually gone to the main event without her. I do not believe that. Not for WrestleMania. WrestleMania, you need crossover appeal to bring in yeah. the the not so casual fans. And Ronda's that crossover appeal. Agreed. She was the Brock. Agreed. I mean that that's that's all true. But I say eventually, some part in the next decade, I think they would have gotten in without her. You would have you would have had to do it now. It was too hot. They were they were way too hot. Ronda is went from WrestleMania to WrestleMania, and she was a she was a big star and everything. I mean, <laughs> she also main evented Evolution. She did main event at Evolution. That is true. She so, did. She did. She did main event she Evolution. She retired Bella. She thank the Lord. Um, and for that alone, I got to put her on <laughs> <laughs> for retiring Nikki Bella. Um. And a lot of and a lot of Ronda's moments don't have to do really with um, with with Charlotte. A lot of Oscar's moments don't have to do with Charlotte either. Oscar had the longest reign, um, next to Pete Dunne, obviously. Charlotte broke uh, Oscar's streak era. though. Charlotte did break Oscar's streak in the match of a year mm-hmm. that year, um, but at the end of the last two years, who's been climbing a ladder to win championships? Oscar. So quite literally, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> quite literally. So, um, there are plenty of moments that do not include Charlotte where you can make an argument against Charlotte. Charlotte's never won money in the bank, you know, she's never won the Rumble. There's only been two of them, huh? There's only been two <laughs> of them, doesn't matter. She's never won, not yet, <laughs> you know. Um, I mean, and obviously the year of the man and Becky Lynch. What a rise. Yeah. What a rise, I mean, sure, it, but she had eight years of being almost irrelevant. Not eight years, no. Because if you think NXT started and the Becky Lynch and the Four Horsewomen came around. Right, but she wasn't, she never had a good, she didn't have a good run in NXT. She had an okay run in NXT, but her run was big enough for her to supersede Bailey and go to the main roster. That well, was another because, reason that they was because kept that, Bailey down is they needed somebody to like watch over the women's division yeah. until they were ready. They had the exactly. Yeah, granted, they had to build upon, but still, she. I mean, also you think about Becky being the number one draft pick on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. No, Becky yeah. has yeah, the be- longest Raw Women's Championship reign in history, and that she has correct. a couple SmackDown title reigns as well. And she's the first female ever in the history of WWE to be the number one merch seller. 
Mm-hmm. Her star has fizzled Regardless out pretty quick in the past year or so. Her star has fizzled out. She's still over. Honestly, it's fizzled She's still out. over, but it's not nearly as strong as it was. They've been keeping her off TV, but that's not. They dropped. They dropped. They like, they had her at a, her peak. Her peak stardom, like she had her Stone Cold moment at WrestleMania, and it just went downhill from there. I she agree. had a Stone Cold moment before Survivor Series, but they're bringing her back because they're setting up Oscar versus Becky on that Rumble. Yeah. If you saw TLC and if you saw Raw. So Becky still needs to be in there, and if we're putting in Becky, even though she's been hot for like a. For like you know a little bit of a second, you gotta include Ronda as well. Right, but if you're going if you're going for a whole decade though, Ronda's impact is gonna last not only this decade but the next decade. When you think about you know 2010, who are you thinking of, when you think about the 2010s? Who are you thinking about in women's wrestling? Remember, women's wrestling was an afterthought until 2016. Yeah, I'm pretty much 2015. I'm pretty much like when looking back, I'm pretty much only thinking of Charlotte because she's just been so cons- like, consistent. Consistent, sure, but moments she does a couple of backflips here and there. You're thinking about, I mean, I'm thinking about different moments where you're like, you have Sasha making a little girl cry, which is hysterical. Shout out to Izzy, by the way. Izzy's going to be the diamond of like the decade, two decades from now. Watch. Yeah. Um, you know, Bailey and her hugs and, and elbow dropping. Um, Becky with the stone cold moment. With the bl- bloody Becky. Bloody Becky. You know. Right. Mm-hmm. Bloody Becky. <laughs> You know, so I think you have to add Ronda in there when you think, like you said, it's, it's almost going to be like a microcosm, maybe five years. And if somebody dominates one year, that's one fifth of the time. It's 20%. I would put Ronda in there. Becky took the Becky took the year after that. Got to put true. Becky in there. Anyone else, guys? For female, I mean, I said Tessa, because Tessa's been doing a lot of great work on the indies. Um, anybody for Riho? No. Right. Oh. Sorry. Oh. Who? <laughs> <laughs> uh, who the hell texted me now? Uh, oh, yeah. Ugly sweater party this Saturday at my bar. Um, Ooh. So, moving on. Female superstar is hard. If, this is, if female superstar is going to be hard, this is going to be even harder. Male superstar of the decade. Daniel Bryan. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Are you gonna add? Are you gonna add in Punk? No. I did want to add Punk because, despite the fact that he wasn't wrestling for the whole decade, he's still longest, the most longest top, world champion of the modern era. Longest world champion, the pipe bomb, and his name has not left anybody's mouth. It's because people don't want to let him go. I mean, he has lasting impact. Mm-hmm. Um, but from you know. But that impact dwindled once he left and he was bitter and then people sued him like his best friend. And then the CM Punk became a chant of people who were snarky and annoying and wanted to sabotage a show. It didn't have it didn't have the effect that it was supposed to have. No. For for me at least. Like for a while, all right, CM Punk chants were cool because it was good to sabotage the show. Now it's like you're sabotaging the show and it's, you know, you're CM Punk and you know women you know female wrestlers and other people who are trying to like you know put on a show because you don't you don't like it at the time so you're going to start chanting cm punk like it became bigger than the voice of disdain and i think it was it's a you know it's a it's a bad look on the cm punk image you're right 
CM Punk's super they important got- to the decade, but he left. So yeah. fuck him. <laughs> like, I, like, I, I can appreciate his importance for me as a personal wrestling fan, but like, as a wrestler of the whole decade, no, it's, it, it is for me. It is Daniel Bryan because there's no one I liked more. There was no one who was more popular. There was no one who I wanted to see succeed more than Daniel Bryan. That being said, put AJ Styles on that list. That man touched gold Absolutely. everywhere he went. Put Brock Lesnar on that list. I know you don't want to hear it, Marks, but fuck you. He's there. He's made. Brock he's Lesnar's made the, the most draw in, res- in wrestling. He's made the most money of this past decade, and he's put on incredible <laughs> matches. He's had incredible moments. Brock Lesnar has to be there, no doubt in my mind. Brock yes. Lesnar's there. He might even he I might even get my vote over Daniel Bryan is because of how important he was this past decade. He carried you this company. Forget, you cannot forget uh, Kazusuke Okada in New mm-hmm. Japan. Kenny Omega as well, uh, for that matter. Kenny Omega, we, the the in the independent superstar who became the number one wrestler in the world. Um, I put um, John Cena and Jericho as well. I definitely Chris Jericho. That man is ageless. I don't know about John. John's better. John's years were better in the early 2000s, I think. Yeah, I'm the Cena mark here, and he's not. He's not on my list. I wanted to. I thought about it. He you knew it was. He did the right thing this decade, where he had his yes. moments for. Like he made up the, the, his second half. Have was un- was incredible. The first half was kind of the same old, same old. Well, fuck John Cena. Mm-hmm. His second half. Like, he got squashed by the Undertaker at WrestleMania. He got squashed by Brock. He did the job to Kevin Owens. He did the job to AJ. For Styles. He did. He, he put the new generation over. He laid on his back. He, he, he did it right. He respected the business. So I can give him that. But Superstar of the Decade, yeah, he had his, he had his records. He tied Flair's record. But I think people had a better decade than Cena. And again, he also left. Yeah. Uh, like I said, Okusuko Okada, uh, Tanahashi, the ace of New Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked Kenny Omega. Um, Roman Reigns. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. S- hate him all you want, boom all you want. Main event at four WrestleManias. Yeah. Was the number one wrestler in the world by PWI. Yep. Um, the guy you love to hate, and then he really had cancer, and you hated people who didn't love him after that. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> No matter what Roman Reigns did, everybody always had a strong opinion of him. Like, you cannot talk about this decade without talking about Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns was a factor. I mean, I I would put, I would also put another person on the shield, and I put in Seth. I put in Seth, too. I don't put in Dean, but I put in Seth. I I do not put in Dean either. I didn't put Dean either. I would put in Seth. Um, I didn't put Seth in because I'm petty. Sorry. <laughs> I would also consider the Miz. You know, I thought about that like five minutes ago. Yeah. And I'm going to say yes. I, I'm going to agree. This he was the decade I got being, into the Miz. I hated him my whole decade, life. Everybody got into the Miz. We turned Dave into a Miz fan. That is true. And we tried for months <laughs> to get him to be I a Miz fan. Talking Smack is what sold me. You know what it is? Because you think of the Miz in the beginning of the 2010s, he's a mid-carder. He's doing tag teams. He's part of Show Miz. He's with John Morrison. He's with Kofi for a while. Uh, and then he becomes the foundation of the Intercontinental Championship. 
and he becomes damn near a main eventer. And I'm going to be on day with this one because he said this for months. At some point in this next decade, you have to bring Miz into the main event scene fully. Yes. I want him to. I want him to have the all-time Intercontinental Championship record. I think he deserves it at this point for how for doing what Daniel Bryan couldn't, um, which is make the Intercontinental title relevant again. Um, and I, I think you he needs to get one more championship run because he can do it. He's got the face. He's got the look. He's got the dress. He has it all, and he doesn't get injured. Doesn't get injured. Uh, yeah. You, you got to put the Miz in there. Um, how do we feel about Finn Balor or Ferg McDevitt? I almost put him. But I cr- He's on the bubble. Yeah. I think yep. after he got injured and after he had to relinquish the Universal title, when he came back, people didn't really give a fuck right away. And I feel like his momentum got killed. If his if he didn't get injured and his momentum didn't get shot, then absolutely he would be in this conversation. Yeah. But he's kind I, of been on shaky waters for the last couple of years. Yeah. And like I think NXT is the perfect was the perfect decision for him to reinvigorate him. Because I he's one yeah. of my favorites, but he didn't have the impact that he deserved to have. Finn is tough. What do we- because I don't know anything about his Japan yeah. run really. But mm. um, I'm gonna throw out the Undertaker. Throw in or throw out? Throw in. Sorry. So throw uh, throw in the Undertaker. <laughs> if you think of the beginning of a decade, he was having those classics with Sean, and then Triple H, mm-hmm. and everything. And I didn't even say that for match of the. Oh, we didn't. Do did we do match of the decade? No, that's that's. Oh, we didn't do. We did do match of a decade. Did we do match? I thought that was next. We have match and moment left. We have match and moment. All right, so, so okay, we didn't do it yet. Okay, yet. okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Undertaker. I just feel. I mean, he. He's just old now, but like whenever he showed up, it's a big deal. Even if he walks down the ring and like eats the microphone, mm-hmm. he's, st- he's still deal. on top, dude. <laughs> some he's still of the on biggest top. person. Some of my most favorite wrestling moments, personally, this this decade have been because of the Undertaker. So the, when Roman he, defeated Undertaker at Mania a couple years ago, that was, that was that was my last drunk Mania. I remember crying and like chugging a beer, and I was I was very drunk at this party, and my drunk emotional ass bought SummerSlam tickets that night, and that's how I got the SummerSlam tickets. I went to my first pay per view, and then. This year, I went. I impulse bought tickets to Raw after Mania. Like I was at the diner on the way to Mania, and decided to buy Raw tickets. And I got my first Taker entrance this year. Takers, one of those. And it changed my who, life. Who flash balls will flash balls will still go go off for? Mm-hmm. He's that level of he's that level of iconic. He's also that um, old. He's also that old. Yes. <laughs> um... I mean, he's one of those people that I remember going into WrestleMania 34 
in New Orleans. We talked about we don't want to see Taker. We don't want to see Taker. He retired. You know, he, he he left everything on the mat. It was the only time WrestleMania left in silence and people were fucking crying and everything like that. And we don't want to see Taker. He doesn't deserve, he doesn't need to come back for this. And then the gong hit and we all started screaming like little girls. <laughs> yeah. He has that he has that effect on people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's just once that gong hits, it's everything changes. I mean, this this was tough. This has been a very, very, very good decade for wrestling. If if I'm being honest, it's probably AJ Styles. He's been on top on every at every single company he went to, including TNA. You want to name a bad AJ Styles match? AJ Styles match, like you can't. AJ Styles, <laughs> he is put in the work. He has put in the promo work. He's had character changes. He's just as over as a face as he is a heel. He had a great debut, great feuds. Um, as soon as he left TNA, his career exploded. And he didn't even do that, have a bad 2010 in TNA either. He won the belt, then he left. They tried to do the punk angle again, and it was even dumber. It was even worse. Um, <laughs> he hated Dixie Carter. And then, like, he came to WWE, and he is, on paper, had the best decade. Um but I think I still gotta go with Daniel Bryan. This is because my heart, I'm following my heart on this one. Yeah, my it's, heart's the, Daniel Bryan for the decade. It's so hard to, to, to narrow male superstar. It's harder than female. Obviously, because the males have had more opportunity to shine throughout the decade, but it's just, it's so hard for the males. You can argue, you can argue Brock, hands down. You can argue AJ, hands down. You can argue Kenny Omega or Okada. Yeah. You know, Roman, you can even um, argue Chris Jericho. Roman, all right, you can yeah. seriously argue Chris Jericho as the best wrestler of this decade, and I will fight you for it because he <laughs> he is the master of the reinvention, and there's no one better. Every time, I believe, I believe he's reinvented himself four times this decade. Mm-hmm. You have the scarf, something like that, the scarf to the list, to list to this. There, there's, there's something missing. <laughs> no. Maybe just regular well, Jericho. He had the, the black Japan. lipstick and the emo eyeliner. He had the, uh, it was a um, a clockwork orange Jericho. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like four times. Goth Jericho. Gothico. <laughs> Gothco. Gothco. <laughs> Gothco. <laughs> Break the walls down with a tear. <laughs> and no matter what he does, he executes it perfectly. Like his current it's, run it's unbelievable. is insane. It's just a little bit of bubbly Jericho. A little bit of the bubbly is one of the like one of the most genius things that happened this year. And the fact he that he, and the fact that he comes out to over. his he comes up to his Fozzy music is amazing. Okay, it's <laughs> it's the best theme in AEW behind maybe Hangman Page's theme, <laughs> mm-hmm. but like yeah. Judas is Judas in my mind. I am cold and like December snow. <laughs> Which is funny because <laughs> Judas was also the theme song of the first ever NFC Takeover Chicago, where Ciampa turns her Gargano. That's amazing. Yep. It's a great song. Judas is a great song. It is a great song. Let's go he's see Fozzie next time they come around. Let's not. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll think about it. I've never been to a rock concert. All right, let's do what? moment. Let's so, let's do moment next. Because <laughs> we're going two hours, baby. We're not going to do moment yet. We're going to do match of the year. Uh, but wrestling's oh, all about matches. We should end with matches. No, match of the year. Match match of the decade? Yes. Match of the decade. I'm going to say before you can, Sasha Bailey. Did you I just want to take I... that from him? Yes, I did. But then no. that's, that's my match of the decade. I'm sorry. That's the one. That's it. There's nothing going to beat it. Really? That's it. I love that match. There's... 
I okay. Really? End of an era. That's, I did punk scene in Money in the Bank. Of course I did. See, end of an era is a phenomenal match, but it didn't end an era. That era is still existing. They both wrestle. <laughs> no, but the era's the era's over. But if you're going with the match I have watched the most this whole decade, every time we talk about this match, I pretty much go back and watch it. It's Sasha Bailey. <laughs> it's, it's Sasha Bailey. I. It's the most voted on match that people on NXT Live want to see when they're in like intermission. Mm-hmm. It, it's my, it's the match. My most watched match besides Punk Cena Money in the Bank is uh, Becky Charlotte at Evolution. Charlotte Asuka. Mm. The women's the women's triple threat at thirty two. Okay, um, Roman Brock the first time before the heist was a damn good match. Was a damn good match. Um, AJ versus Cena SummerSlam. I put Kofi and Daniel at Mania. Kofi and Daniel Bryan at Mania is a picture perfect match. Andrade versus Johnny Gargano NXT Takeover Philadelphia. Yes, one hundred percent. Holy crap! One hundred percent. Takeover Chicago. <laughs> But I, I will say about end of an era, I don't think my heart's ever skipped that many beats while watching wrestling. <laughs> like, I was, me and my dad watched it. I was, like, falling off the couch just, like, what is good? I was freaking the fuck out. That match, I love that match. But I'll, I've, been, I've been talking about transcending wrestling all night tonight. Um, Sasha Billy is the third one. I got to add this next one for the moment of, moment of the decade. But... I fast-forwarded women's wrestling for the longest time while watching wrestling. Sasha Bailey made me stop. It made me actually watch women's wrestling. Yeah. Call me sexist, I dare you. Get a real, get a real fight again and work your audience again. Um, but <laughs> it made me care. And the story was great, and everything about it was phenomenal. Okay, we can, I can stop talking about that match now. Also, you got to think anything about Omega Okada did. Mm-hmm. I would say the two out of three falls is my favorite one. Um, Gargano champ in New Orleans. Uh, Six-man ladder match for a North American title in New Orleans. Yeah, mm-hmm. that match is bonkers. That match <laughs> is know? absolutely... It's the best ladder match of the decade. That, it's Okay, it's the best gimmick match of the decade. Nah, that's end of an era. It's the best ladder match of the decade. Yeah. Um, uh, Finn and AJ, oh. TLC two years ago. I'll be impromptu match. Mm-hmm. That's another nod for AJ Styles as, you know, superstar of the decade. Think about it. This man was in South America doing a live event. He got called. He was like, yo, you got to get on plane right now. And puts on a classic with Finn. And then they're yeah, too sweet at the end. He's a superstar of the decade. Um, <laughs> I just had one and I lost it. Um, What were you thinking? Oh. I would even say the Intercontinental Ladder Match at WrestleMania 32, the Zack Ryder win. You oh, love, love this match, match so much. You love that. It's so good. Oh, fuck that match. I was it's go- so I was good. going with I Alistair Black and Velveteen Dream. The, that was the year I was with NYWC and I, I wrestled for Jersey in Jersey for the first time. Then we went back to like one of my faction mates' houses and we all watched that mania together. And we walked in as uh, Zack Ryder. One and we were all excited. You know what? Well, you don't like it because you're not from Long Island, so you don't get it. No, I I don't like it because I hate Zack Ryder. It's whatever. No one's perfect. Um, <laughs> Such a dick. <laughs> 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 yeah, 
But it, that match is also a fantastic way to open up a show. And speaking of openers, WrestleMania 33, Shane McMahon, AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll match in a decade, but it was a good match. <laughs> um, were you going to say Alistair Velveteen because that's your favorite fucking match ever? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say it should be a contender, but I fucking love that match. That <laughs> <laughs> match? Alistair Black versus Velveteen Dream takeover oh Chicago. Oh my god, I love that match. <sighs> Living infamy, Velveteen Dream. Say my name. Oh. Dude, I'm a sucker. For, I'm um, a sucker for storytelling. That's just. I'm a, that's why I love end of an era match. Is it a great match? Not really. It's kind of slow. I know and next boring. decade for sure we'll be talking more about Alistair Black and Velveteen Dream. Absolutely. Here's one that we have not even thought about. Um, I'm surprised none of us have brought it up. Shinsuke versus Sami Zayn. Ooh. Oh, Ooh, that is a great match. Oh, that NXT match gives takeover me Dallas. every time. I remember I was in a hotel room because I was out the night before, so I missed TakeOver. I remember waking up WrestleMania Sunday and watching TakeOver and never really seeing Shinsuke before and just being mesmerized by his entrance. And then the hits and the kicks and everything that went on in that match, knowing it was Sami Zayn's last match at NXT, and then knowing after the fact that they had never even wrestled before. And they pretty much called it in the ring. It brings that match to a whole different level. That match is unbelievable. Uh, I want to watch that after we get offline. I just remember the entrance. The entrance was crazy. And then just every hit, like everything just, it was so different for me. Um, And it, it made Shinsuke an automatic superstar. Like talk about one of the best debuts ever. Just that right there. Um, what other matches can I think of? Uh, do we want to add anything from All Elite? <laughs> no. Nah, nah. Anything from TNA this decade, Will? No. <laughs> Wait, what about that? <laughs> Not a chance. What about that triple? What about that triple threat? Was like AJ Samoa Joe and like uh, Christopher Daniels? Don't know what that matches. That could have been on a random Thursday, for all I know. That's the one that like Meltzer gave a five star to. Don't know it. I'm watching Takeover Brooklyn right now. Bailey Sasha Banks, by the way. It's on mute. It's 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 the match of the decade. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Yeah, Fuck I'm gonna you. watch it's the best some wrestling when we get off for sure. Yeah, I'm in the um, mood. Okay. <laughs> I'm in the mood. All right. So, any other matches that we can think of? Though things that we may have forgotten. No. Um. What do we think? Actually, I want to. I want to add. Do we consider this a match, even though it's very gimmicky? What do we think about the twenty, the first ever women's Royal Rumble? Hmm. It's hard, but I get it. Like it's hard you know, to have any Royal Rumble because it is a match, but but it's not. It's 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 hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Um, it was a big I, I deal. Even think of that, I even think of that year of a men's Royal Rumble being one of the best Royal Rumbles I've ever seen. Yeah. That was a good, that was a, that was a good pay-per-view, by the way, too, the Royal Rumble 2018. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, good God, oh. that was good. <laughs> Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble's one yeah. of my favorites. Because it's the most unpredictable one. Uh, also, her match of the year, 2014 Survivor Series, Team Cena versus Team Authority. Mm. Perfect storytelling. Yeah. It, it, literally, it literally raised, it literally revived Survivor Series from the dead. 
anime Dolph Ziggler a superstar for a couple more months. What about that's true. What about um Sasha Becky Bailey uh Sasha Charlotte Becky at WrestleMania? I thought I mentioned that. Did you? At 33? I might have. 32 actually. 32, excuse me. It was my first mania. I remember that one pretty well. Um Yeah, no, that one that that stole the show. Speaking of show stealers at WrestleMania, take her CM Punk. Mm-hmm. I need to watch that match again because I didn't think I don't remember it being that great. Maybe because I didn't believe that Punk was really gonna, good. Maybe because I didn't believe for a second Punk was going to beat him. <laughs> that was also the same. That was the same year that um, Paul Bear died, mm. and Punk was using the urn. And remember, uh, he he poured the he poured the 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 remnants of Paul Bear on the table on the mm-hmm. on the go home show. Yeah. All right, let's go to let's go to moment of the moment of the year, yeah. moment of the decade. Right? I'm tired. All right, here we go. I picked this one last. It's probably going to be hard, and it's also probably the most subjective of any of any of the categories. Moment of the year, the moment decade. A moment, sorry, moment of a decade. Sorry, I keep on saying year. It's moment of a decade. It's the moment uh, that that defines the decade in wrestling. And like I said, it's real hard. You can talk about the CM Punk pipe bomb. Nope. As the moment that, that things change. Uh, there's a couple for me that really stick out. Sting debuting at Survivor Series. It's a good one, for sure. Mm-hmm. No, one, no one saw it coming. AJ Styles debuting at the Rumble in Orlando, the home of TNA. Also fantastic. You know, very fantastic. Uh, Roman Reigns saying he has cancer. Sad. Yeah. That one hurts. Uh what else is um Hardy Boys Return of Mania. For, oh my god. Ch- chills. Even thinking about it. For me personally, it's it's Kofi winning at this year's Mania. Mm-hmm. Which is gonna be it's so impactful now, it's gonna be much more impactful later on down the road. But for even that moment in time where the story going into WrestleMania months before was the women and Becky and Ronda. And unfortunately, we, I mean, but fortunately, unfortunately, they brought in Charlotte into the mix. And then all of a sudden, Mustafa Ali gets injured. Kofi steps into this role that Mustafa inherently was going to take. And it became so much bigger you have daniel bryan turning on the fans and becoming the antithesis of what he was fighting for four years ago at wrestlemania 30 you have kofi kingston who's never had a title shot who had a title shot ruined by randy orton on backstage politics which he had to end up fighting for on tv week in week out and mr mcmahon and never even mr mcmahon got in on the segment that's how good it was mr mcmahon came out of backstage and made kofi go through a gauntlet and when kofi couldn't compete he made the rest of a new day fight in kofi's honor and you have the moment where the usos say we respect you guys so much even though we're rivals we forfeit we're not gonna fight you um <laughs> You know, and that was a huge moment for me in and of itself. And then you have this, then you have WrestleMania. And WrestleMania comes, and the story switches from the women main event to all these celebrities and people talking about it um, on the pre-shows that I came here to see Kofi Kingston. And it turned from, you know, the women to Kofi Mania within maybe three weeks. And they put they put him in the middle of a, of a card, and they stole the show. 
it became a it became a global phenomenon that match and him winning. I'm so glad we were there for that. It's just it's it's so to me that's the thing that's it's it became bigger than than wrestling in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Kofi because of the impact that it had. Kofi might be the right answer here. Uh, just because yeah. it what it is bigger than wrestling, it is bigger than a decade. That's a, that's a moment that's going to live in time forever. Like that's one of the biggest moments in all of wrestling. That pop when you got the one, two, three, the emotion that the, all the new days showed. You know, I brought the new belt out. It's huge, humongous. His kids coming into the ring, the throwing of a shirt. Yep. You know, Dan, even even Daniel Bryan doing the job. Mm-hmm. And knowing that this was the right move at the right time. You know, it's funny because someone who else had the bigger, a big moment was when Daniel Bryan won, won yeah. both belts. Yeah. That was, if Kofi didn't, if Kofi didn't exist, Daniel Bryan might be, Mickey might have said all that same thing that spoke Kofi, Daniel Bryan instead. You know, him, mm-hmm. WrestleMania turned into Yeslemania and he's having both belts and the confetti at the end of WrestleMania 30 after this storyline that go into the press summer even further back when it came into Team Hell Rise No. The authority angle. Like, yep. that was such a huge moment and such a huge high after the biggest low after take a streak loss, which is another big moment. Um, the streak ending. Yep. So yeah. those two are huge, that- but if we're going to go with my biggest moment in wrestling, you guys might fight back on me with this one a little bit, but probably are. Mm-hmm. It, is the debut of the WWE Network. It's, it is. Okay. It is, it is okay. the biggest moment, the most important thing that happens in this decade in wrestling. And this is the moment that not only transcended my wrestling fandom, it transcended so many wrestling fandoms. Put it this way. Think pre-2014. How many wrestling podcasts were there? Right now, think post twenty. Think post twenty fourteen. An explosion. It, mm-hmm. ex- granted, podcasting itself exploded. Um, yeah. In popularity, podcasting and starting one exploded, and the ease of access exploded. But specifically with wrestling, everyone in their mothers and their mother's sisters has a wrestling podcast. Um, <laughs> and I think a lot of that is just the ease of access of the WWE Network, and it okay. it brought so many people back. It made people talk, and. This it cemented my legacy as a lifelong wrestling fan that I'm gonna be watching this until the day I die because I'm I'm a day one subscriber and I'm gonna be a day I'm a day one subscriber. I'm as gonna well. be a day Same. one million subscriber when I die. So it's it's for me personally, it's the biggest moment in my wrestling fandom ever was the announcement of this WWE network because I could not wait literally to rewatch the Monday Night Wars. That Monday Night War documentary is also one of the best things I've ever seen. Yeah, it's incredible. Like, the network, it... And, like, I think WWE is... Network is, like, it's the perfect streaming service. Because you have live television, you have original content, and you have their catalog. It's everything every other streaming services wish they could be. Yeah. They, they fuse together... TV and a streaming service all in one because originally the WWE Network was supposed to come out in the beginning of a decade and it was going to be an actual channel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then Netflix happened and they rethought everything. Vin, yeah, Vince pumped the brake. I mean, Vince has Vince been talking about this like a channel since the 80s. Yep. This is his long-term vision and the fact that it came out February 22nd, 2014. In fact, I remember the fucking date. 
<laughs> it's it's the biggest moment of the decade. And then you might say it doesn't really count. It's not really a wrestling moment, but it. I think it's a wrestling moment. No, I like that answer. It's, like, it's it 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 transcended my wrestling fandom above and beyond anything else. In my history of being a wrestling fan, like. I, Unbelievably, I think. I think also with moments you got to put in the uh, the formation of AEW. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think is is a is a giant moment because now you have somebody who's actually trying to directly compete with with the top dog. I mean, time will tell. Doesn't do it. We'll find out the yeah. we'll find out the end of next decade, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> but it needs to be in there. It, it's still a big deal. Because now the floodgates are open. People are getting, the indies are dying again. Because um, people are getting snatched up here and there. And you don't know where people are going to show up. Um, if people are going to leave, <laughs> you know. It's the indies with, um, a, it's, it's the indies with a checkbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I think also, um, I would probably put them all engraved in one. The, uh, the NXT surprises. I think are also moments in and of themselves. By surprise, I mean the people that show up in the crowd. Mm. Yeah, I like you know, those. I think some of them are like, remember, remember where you were when Rude showed up? Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Rude, or who might be the next superstar of of the next decade, Austin Theory. Oh my god, I died. <laughs> Dude, I forgot he was there. I totally forgot he's in NXT. <laughs> Awesome Theory, uh, Keith Lee, Drew McIntyre. Uh, Riddle. Riddle. War Machine. The Giant Brooch. War Machine. You were there for War Machine. Yeah. Oh, that was so much fun. Um, Ricochet. Yeah, we were there for... We were, were we there for Ricochet? We might have been. He debuted in Philly. So we were there. Uh, Asuka was at the first one. Yeah, she was. Uh, Take over. Uh, Asuka was a... To everyone, that moment, obviously, uh, the the Bailey Sasha. I think the the takeover. I think the first takeover Brooklyn is a moment in and of itself, because like I said earlier, it's something that was done on a whim. Triple H being in the middle of the ring and this extending his arms, being an asshole. Oh, you don't know what happened before we went on air. I don't. I wasn't there. I was. So I'll mm. tell you what happened. So, what I'm gonna give you some inside information, you bastard. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks, Dick. Because so, <laughs> I've never missed a takeover in New York. Tip of my crown. Um, so Triple H comes out as a girl. We're about to go live on air, blah, blah, blah. I want it completely silent. He goes, I know it's hard for you guys. Some of you guys have had like several beers in your system, but please shut up. <laughs> or whatever. And it obviously failed. It backfired on him so badly. Um, but he got the point across. And he's like, I'm going to raise my hands and they're going to see the massive crowd that we have done in a professional arena and triple h put his whole privilege bet the house that he would sell out barclays and he was absolutely correct and when that and when the lights came on and you look at that play and the lights come on and that camera goes around the entire arena there's not a seat that's empty that's amazing not even dave's he wasn't getting beer <laughs> <laughs> They sold obstructed view seats. They opened them up last minute. They sold out in three minutes. Wow. <laughs> oh, fuck, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, the, 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 the takeover Brooklyn one is a moment. 
and it was and it was you know the the exclamation point wasn't even the main event. I know, which is the craziest part about it. Dude, I watched. The exclamation point I was watched the this Sasha Bailey match in the fucking Hofstra Library on shoddy Wi-Fi because my house didn't have Wi-Fi yet. Because I, I just moved into the the Meadowbrook house. Yeah, <laughs> my junior year. So any other moments I, oh. before we go home? I I I. I don't even know. I mean, you could put Kenny Omega winning in IWGP. Um, uh, we talked about oh, Vecina squash. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Vecina squash, and then also the the uh, Taker losing the streak. Okay, but which uh, yeah. quick take a sideberg. Um, mm-hmm. When Brock and Taker laugh at each other. <laughs> All right, I'm, Summerslam. I'm throwing that in there. <laughs> I, I will tell you this, I'm still don't believe, even though I know what it did in the long run, I still don't believe that was the right call, and it's the only match I refuse to watch. Streak ending? Mm-hmm. I refuse to see the one, two, three. It's it's hard. You fucking mark. <laughs> I haven't watched that match in a while. And here's one moment that we are actually totally forgetting and dropping the ball on. The heist of the century. Seth Rollins cashes in on the WrestleMania main event. Oh, yeah. That moment saved that WrestleMania, by the way. It did. And early in the night when Randy Orton turned to stomp into an RKO. Oh, my God. That was oh so good. Also, when Randy Orton RKO'd Mark Henry and did like a, like a gymnastic somersault jump with his legs, it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Um, every single time Big Show cried. Um <laughs> <laughs> Shane jumping off Hell in a Cell twice. Shane McMahon returning. Shane returning. That's a good one. No one saw that coming. I don't know how we're going to narrow these down to like 10 or For like moment, eight. Yeah. It's going to be rather difficult, but Ricky, good luck. I trust you. I, I, I will try. Uh, Shane returning. Um, did we have any other return? I mean, we talked about AJ Styles debuting. Um, Shane doing crazy stuff. Uh, I guess the, the, the shield all holding the titles at the same time. I mean, it's a moment, but like the shield debuting, still, mm-hmm. the, the debut of the debut of a shield in and of itself, I think warrants, um, warrants some acknowledgement. Uh, the rock with a flamethrower. Oh, the return of the rock. Uh, which time? Uh, the first time. <laughs> Yeah, I I would say uh, we didn't really go into depth about the Hardy Boys. Mm. The return, uh, like the moment itself, was amazing, and I'll like never forget. It. And that was probably like my biggest pop of the decade. But, yeah. but the run itself, like, has been lacking. I mean, it's, I mean when Will Matt finally did get his, you know, his uh his broken gimmick into WWE. And it went well for a while. What was mm-hmm. the match they had in TNA? The broken, the match they had in like his backyard, the Hardy compound. The Hardy yeah, the, the compound match. Like him and Jeff Hardy had like a match. Yes. Uh, yeah, WWE did one too. They did a compound match. No, but the TNA Wyatt. did it better. But what was the match? What was the match called though? I I don't know what it was called. The total total deletion. The ultimate deletion. Oh, ultimate, ultimate deletion. deletion. 
Yes. Though, dude, the, the Matt Hardy promos can be, dude, Matt Hardy, dude. <laughs> yeah, Why Hardy. did we not mention Broken Matt Hardy for promo of the decade? No. Yeah, he's gonna be in there. There we are now. Yeah. <laughs> he is now. Um, also, Bray Wyatt. Can anything Bray Wyatt said when he was, you know, cult leader Bray Wyatt? Yeah. Mesmerizing. Um, that Hardy moment was one of those things where it was like there were there were there were um, discussions about will they or won't they. Will they or won't they? They have this match in ROH the day the night before. They wouldn't dare show up. Vince wouldn't do this. Matt Hardy's the broken guy. Vince is not going to let this happen at his mania. I was saying the whole day it was gonna happen. You know, and then they 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 literally snuck them in midway through WrestleMania. Um they ran them up the stairs and they but New Day says they have there's a fourth member. And then they, they 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 play it really well, and then the music hits, and I went from twenty seven twenty eight at the time to like a six year old girl on Christmas, who just got like a bar. I doll. literally rock. I was in my, in my friend Rich and Caitlin's living room, and I literally rocket launched out off the couch. <laughs> I just started crying. Cry. <laughs> oh man! And I was that... really drunk too. It was just, an, I didn't even have to be drunk. The place, the entire place lost it. And it's the only match that, um, when they were practicing matches, it was the only match that was uh, that was not open to the rest of the wrestlers. Like, no one knew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have one more moment. It's uh, Kevin Owens turning on Sami Zayn in NXT. Mm. Beautiful. And that was his debut night. Mm-hmm. That was his debut night. Anything. I mean, also you got to put in Gargano, Chopper turning on Gargano. Yep. Yeah. Um. Uh. All out. Or all in. Which one was first? All, all in. in. All in was first. All in's a moment. The fact, all the fact that all in existed. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big. That's, that's a big wrestlers moment. Wrestlers sold out an arena. It's a big moment. They sold out. Yeah, wrestlers sold out an arena. Not promoters. Wrestlers sold out an arena. That's a huge one. You have to put it in there. I, I totally agree. Um, and it's as what it's what led to all elite wrestling. You know? So I And I, the WEA. I give props. And the, the WEA. WEA. Yes. Company of the decade. Uh, <laughs> uh but yeah, so I, I think that's it. Um, so this has been a fun almost two and a half hours that we've been doing this. I actually really enjoyed this. We didn't even do any breaks. <laughs> We didn't do yeah, a single break. We, we didn't do breaks at all, so uh, which is good because this would have been like three hours then. Um, but thank you, everybody, for listening. If you made it this long. Um, obviously, we have a lot to discuss and narrow down and break down. Um, I'm going to have to listen back to this a little bit. Um, but if you guys, if you are listening to this and you want to add some other moments that we may have forgotten, please let us know. Um, and hopefully by the beginning of a new year, you guys have, will have voted many, many thousands of times, and we'll tell you who the winners are. Um, we'll be reve- I'll be revealing the winners um, live on air, so when we know about it, you guys will know about it as well. So it'll be an interesting time uh, to be wrestling fans. So thank you guys for having this discussion. Um, we only get to do this once a decade, so hopefully we make it to the next decade, and we can still discuss this one more time. New decade, uh, new me, bruh. 
Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, sure. (laughs) (laughs) With that being said, let's get this show on the road. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to KOTR episode number 177 with Diamonds of the Decades nomination show. I am also your number one flawless diamond and your shining gem that I am, King Ricky Rose. Find me at Ambassador Biggs on all social media. Find KOTR Podcast at KOTR underscore podcast. That means Kings of the Rings podcast each and every decade across all social media. That Facebook, that Instagram, that Twitter. Subscribe to us uh, by subscribing to Wrestle Addict Radio wherever you listen to your podcast. And then last but not least, Find Wrestle Addict Radio on all social media, um, Addict underscore Wrestle on Twitter, and Wrestle Addict Radio on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, once again, before I forget, shout out to Dave, because without Dave, we probably would have never made it through this decade as a podcast. Shout out to Dave. Um, probably- Thank you, Dave. <laughs> Diamond, Diamond Diggity Dusty Dave, um, which is another nickname that we've given Dave just now. Um, so shout out to... <laughs> Man of a Thousand Gimmicks. Shout out to Dave. Yeah, Man of a Thousand Gimmicks, shout out to Dave and everybody else that has made this podcast what it is. Obviously, Christian for eight episodes. Uh, obviously, yourself, Will. Uh, fuck Ed, Christian. Uh, All right, I'm going to say it for the first time. <laughs> fuck Christian. <laughs> it's an asshole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with Ant, uh, uh, for giving us an opportunity to be even bigger than what we are. Everybody who's ever been a part of Wrestle Attic Radio, um, the Valkyrie, um, you, uh, Slack, uh, I'll say it, yes, Slack, Mr. Fretz, of course, and all of our other former guests uh, that have been on the show and for the future guests that are to come. We thank you for listening um, and being a part of the show for the past five years or so, or being a part of this past decade in wrestling with us. Will, do you have anything else to say? We're the kings of the rings. You, wait, you gotta wait for kids gotta say something. And we'll see you next it, decade. It's me, <laughs> the daddy of the decade. The queen, <laughs> the queen Viva Kate Murphy. You can find me on Instagram at the Kate Murphy. You can find me on Twitter at underscore the Kate Murphy, and you can find me crying over Star Wars for the rest of my life. For the rest of a decade. Because the rest, because Star Wars is ending. My decade. <laughs> yeah, right. Is ending. <laughs> it's ending again, <laughs> dude. It's ending like an Anatika's last match ending. All right. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Rude. All right, well, you were saying? <laughs> We're the kings of the rings. And we'll see you next decade. Goodbye, good night, and wherever it's this decade or the next, <laughs> you can always remember one thing. Click, clack, fuck, slack. See you next decade. Watch me bleed could be one hit away his whole career. As long as I'm alive, he's a millionaire. And even if a guy's in my will somewhere, so he could just kick back and chill somewhere. Oh, yeah. He don't even have to write rhymes of dynasty like my money lasts three lifetimes. Shelly Bass is in the rear saying exactly what I was saying practically my whole career. The diamond is fab, Bob and mine is forever. Now the Louis Vuitton dawns coming, couldn't be better. Up to see the Titanic sinking. Instead, we rose from the ash like a phoenix. If you're waiting for the end, a dynasty sign that would seem like forever is a mighty long time. <laughs>